You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. Fleece vest, man. That's that's. I'm ready. Yeah, I mean, you've got the Subaru and everything. You know what I mean? Like, if you've got the Subaru, you've got to have the the sleeveless logo vest. Like, that's essential. Yeah, I think I get that when I've been in Colorado for 20 years. (laughs) I've been here for 11. So you're not from here originally? No. uh, Where are you from originally? I grew up outside of Chicago in a little suburb, uh, Evergreen Park, Illinois. Oh. Yeah, and then when I was 12, my family moved to uh, Henderson, Nevada, right next to Las I've been Vegas. to Henderson, Nevada. Yeah. I, I, like, stayed in Henderson, Nevada for, like, a summer. Why? Because um, I'm into weirdo shit. Yeah. Like, did I just set that for... Oh, ha! I set that for a minute and 30 seconds. Oh, perfect. Cool. So, <laughs> hey, podcast is over. Um, so... I uh, I studied for a, for a few years. I got really into neurolinguistic programming. Ah, like I became really fascinated with it, and um, mostly, kind of the reason I got into it is it was at the beginning of my journey into changing my life, bettering my life, yeah. and um, I don't know if you know Tay Hamilton from. Uh, Hot Apostles. Um, he's in Love Stallion. He's in a, he's in a few different bands. He used to be yeah. in our band, and we used to rehearse at his house. And his dad Tate was really into NLP, and had um, he had done some amazing things. He became a professional painter and was selling his art and put a second level on his house and was like really successful and attributed a lot of it to the stuff he learned from from NLP, just being able to control the mechanics of your mind, essentially, you know? Yeah, that sounds great. You know, it's kind of out there, you know, semi-new agey type of stuff, but, um, you know, a lot of it, it it has its basic, uh, you know, basis in linguistics and psychology and and a lot of, and it's it's a little woo-woo and a little out there, but it's it's super fun at the very least. Mm Mm-hmm. And I had been seeing him in the capacity of a coach, and and he was helping me out, and he had done these trainings through this company, and um, I was really interested in it. And really, all I the main thing I was into it for was I wanted to help the band advance. Yeah. So I started, you know, I signed up for one of the trainings, and I I did the the basic practitioner course, and I signed up for the master practitioner course, and the and the trainers training, and I ended up spending. Uh, I the, the first training was something like a week long, and then the second and third training. I was in I was in Vegas for six weeks. I was living in Vegas and then spending my days in Henderson, yeah, doing these trainings, you know, and basically 
going to fucking grown-up magic school. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, and and I, I learned a ton, and it did, it did positively um, a- affect my life and did the things I learned there did affect the trajectory of the, the band's career and, and did help me stop drinking and whatnot. But there was a couple times that I actually went to some of the like hangout spots in Henderson Mm -hmm. and like, like I was for the most part at a like, you know, holiday in resident or residence in or something like that, where they did the trainings every day or something like that. So I, Mm -hmm. I didn't see a lot of what Vegas Vegas is like, like Henderson is like, and then kind of ventured out and saw some of the bars and some of the casinos and some of the, the sadder places <laughs> in you know outside of Vegas. Sure, yeah, the uh yeah, the shadows, the yeah, off strip experience is like, very different, yeah, than where the people and die from sun exposure, you know, mm-hmm. just like you're talking about like, you know, street folks who are just like burnt to a crisp and then just yeah. like drop sure in the middle of the street, you know. Or they uh Nevada's open carry too. So I saw people like getting onto the bus. Like I saw like I saw like a twenty something skateboarder kid get onto a bus just packing heat. Damn. Like he had he had a Glock uh, on on his hip. Right. Got yeah. on the bus with it, you know. <laughs> it's like he he'd been beat up one too many times yeah, for his probably. for his deck and he's just like, I'm not gonna take this shit anymore. Yeah. That's crazy. I don't I didn't even realize I haven't lived in Vegas. My parents still live there, so I visit. But I haven't lived there since 2008. I moved here from Vegas. Henderson. How long? How long were you there for? Uh, middle school, high school. Then I went to college in Reno. From uh, you t- went to college in Reno? Yeah, yeah. There was this uh, new scholarship that was for uh, if you stayed in Nevada, you know, you could use it, and so that kind of made it easier to stay in the state but i didn't want to go to unlv i thought reno felt like more of a college right. experience um you know because it's older it, it unr was opened established in 1874 and unlv was like 1960 or something so oh wow very different experiences and i wanted that classic college kind of experience live in the dorms or whatever and uh, so yeah, ended up in uh, Reno, 2000 to 2004, and then moved back to Henderson and lived in Henderson and Las Vegas from 04 to 08. What was your What was your experience growing up in, or, or I guess really spending the socialization period of your life in fucking Nevada? Dude? Right. Yeah. What was that like? Uh, it was weird, you know. Definitely very different from living in Illinois. Illinois was the, you know, I had a typical kind of childhood in a small town uh, with some field trips and ventures into the the city. Right. But for the most part, I was riding bikes in that little town or next town over. Right. So that was pretty classic. Uh, Childhood stuff. Had great friends. Uh, and then very uh, very Midwest. Yeah. Yeah. Typical. Yeah. yeah, Sledding, little league, whatever. All that. All that stuff. Um. When we moved, I remember being nervous but excited because my parents were excited. And uh, we, uh, my parents visited Vegas when they were deciding whether they wanted to li- live there or not. But mm-hmm. uh, 
but me and my brother and sister didn't go. So when they came back and they were all jazzed, you know, uh, it sounded exciting. And, and there were a lot of things that were weird for sure. Like the fact that there's slot machines everywhere, you know, right. Uh, the gas stations, gas stations, supermarkets. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're, everywhere. They're, they really are everywhere. Yeah. Every bar is making a ton of money off of video poker. Right. Um, that was very weird, and the 24-hour aspect was weird. Right. That's, that's hen- a lot of Henderson is 24 hours. Oh, yeah. The bars. Nevada in general right, is, yeah. is 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, that, is a, that was a weird thing to have all of a sudden be right. uh, oh, available. Hold, hold on one sec. I, I fucked up and left, <laughs> left the mic in there on. Like, uh, okay, yeah, I was a little confused. Let's hear him talking shit. I was checking the mics. See, Gordo, if you're listening, man, <laughs> you're doing it all right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I've done I've done a few episodes like this where where I do them by myself, and and it just makes me really miss Gordo. Yeah. Like I, I don't imagine. know I don't know how like when Tony and I first started out doing this, it was just an iPhone in the middle of the room on GarageBand. We would send the project to to our buddy Skibs in Chicago, and he would he would post produce the whole thing. Yeah. You know, if I suddenly lost everyone that was involved with this, I don't know if I could keep doing it. Right. <laughs> because I would just be slamming my head against the wall, mm-hmm. like trying to edit audio and, and put together a podcast. Like, I'm sure I could learn it. It's a lot. But I just don't. You, you tried to do a podcast for a minute, didn't you? I had one. F- yeah, I think I did 26 episodes. Oh, wow. You did 26 episodes. I think so. Yeah. Cool. Before I I fell out of the the routine or yeah, whatever, yeah. but yeah, I was doing the routine so important. Yeah, yeah, and and, and that's f- the only thing that's kept this thing going, right? Well, yeah, once you can figure out the best day of the week or whatever, and stick to it, it's better than flying by the seat of your ass because yeah, shit comes up, you know, and right. and if uh, if you have a couple people helping you, it's harder to schedule. Oh yeah, the more people you get involved, month. yeah, it, it makes it harder and easier, obviously. Right. Because you, you you have more eyes on it or whatever, you can split up right. uh, responsibilities. But yeah, but the scheduling can be tough too. So uh, originally it was just me with no guests. I just tried. I tried to be on Facebook Live and interact with that. people. Yeah, that was just like in my head that that would be cool, and I wouldn't have the added stress or whatever of. Post production. Well, mostly of scheduling guests. Right. But pretty quickly, I was like, this isn't gonna sustainable because I can't you know I don't I'm not going to talk to random people on my Facebook right wall every time and have it be what I want oh is that what so, it was is you were just you were just like talking to the people that were chiming in like yeah you were, interacting with people uh, on Facebook live and also talking about whatever I wanted to talk about right yeah I wanted a little bit of input and interaction with uh, with people live but to also, yeah, have some idea of what I wanted to talk about. Okay. And, it, you know, it, it felt okay for a little bit, and then I was like, all right, I got I to gotta talk to people. Right. Have it be a little more structured. Actually have people sit down. Yeah. I, I want to I talk more about that. Let's intro the episode real quick. Uh, welcome to episode number 82 of the motherfucking podcast. This is, of course, the official podcast of the International Power Rock Combo, Motherfucking Ruckus, from Denver and Chicago, respectively. 
I'm your host, Aaron Howell. I'm flying solo today. No Gordo. He is out with Dick Stones. Uh, no Ethan. He <laughs> is tied up with QSC stuff till the end of the year. So no live stream this week. Uh, and no Logan, as he had two teeth pulled out today. Oh, damn. So I, I, I do the, the fly solo episodes once in a while. I apologize in advance for the sound quality. I think it's good, but you never know. Like, they always sound good when I'm tracking them, and then sometimes I put them out and they sound like we're underwater. So okay. I, th- I think it'll be good. Gordo's pretty good at uh, correcting my errors. So I'm excited for today's episode. We've, um, we've been trying to get this dude on the show for a bit, and somehow I gave him the wrong address last time. I have no idea how that happened. Uh, I-, I blame Google. Yeah. I think they're interfering in the podcast because we're telling the truth, <laughs> just like the way they interfered with Tulsi Gabbard and 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 everybody else who is an enemy of the Clintons, right? <laughs> they're messing with me too, man. This goes to the top. This <laughs> this goes straight to the top. Uh, my guest this week is a very f- funny human being, a very cool. Nice, warm, beautiful human being. We used to see a lot more of each other when he was uh, hosting the open mic at Three Kings, and I was working there. Uh, we also worked together on the uh, Prince tribute at Red Rocks yeah. when you when you emceed that, and uh, we've worked we've worked together on a couple things, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Three Kings definitely a lot of running into each other. Then yeah. I'm still doing the open mic, so I've seen I've seen some faces come and go. Yeah, yeah, you've you've out you've outlasted last the best of us. <laughs> so uh, please welcome to the show, uh, darling. I always refer to uh, everyone as the darling of whatever their thing is, <laughs> darling of the uh, Denver comedy scene, global comedy scene. We'll say. Um, please welcome to the show the one and only Nathan Lund. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, I'm glad uh, glad that we were able to meet up. Last I'm glad time. we were able to work it out too. Last time was hilariously ridiculous because, yeah, we 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 compared notes or whatever our Google calendars, and for some reason, I was the only I don't know person how in a group of five or whatever that had, had the, the wrong, wrong address. address for where to meet up. Yeah, and so I went to just a house. <laughs> Did you go knock just on the door? A, a person's home. Yeah, and they were like. No, there's no podcast going or, yeah, or there was a podcast going on because everybody been, has one now. That would have been even better, yeah. You could be the guest on our show. <laughs> no, yeah, it was a house. Um, I knocked on the door a couple times. There was a dog losing its mind. And I thought, all right, you know, maybe there's a dog involved. And then, yeah, there's this guy uh, answered the door looking confused. So I knew right away that it <laughs> that there was a misunderstanding. <laughs> but, I, but just in case, I said, hi, uh, I was... I'm here to do a podcast, and he was like, nah, no podcast here. Not here. <laughs> yeah, and so I was like, oh, well, I apologize, and uh, yeah. I have no idea how that happened. Well, I'm glad you're here now. And um, Me too. Yeah, this is a great space. Dude, it's cool, man. You like the tour? You like uh, like what you see around here? Yeah, a lot of fun stuff going on, a lot of great creativity in the air. I'm excited to see what happens for us in 2020. I've got... um. Kind of this whole month is going to be a lot of looking forward, you know, and I know I know the new year is a completely arbitrary thing, but it is I get really excited about the opportunity to kind of is every New Year's Day I sit down and like Sarah and I, we draw our tarot cards for the year. Yeah. You know, I write down a vision for the next year, like some of the things I'd like to accomplish. And I get very excited about that. 
you know, um, I think it is a good opportunity to kind of go, okay, this is moment zero of this year. Right. You know, and I didn't hit everything that I, that I wanted to do. Um, but I certainly have had a big year and I attribute a lot of that to, uh, just the planning that I did on, on, on the front end on New Year's day. Right. You know, is that something that you do? kind of wrap up the year and then prepare for the next one it's like you're saying yeah even though it is arbitrary it's hard not to look ahead in november and december knowing that yeah you know it's the the date changes but it is uh the way that we've decided to you know to to gauge time and so right. yeah uh i tr- i don't really do resolutions but i do try to think all right what's coming up that i right. want to be a part of you know for me a big thing is like festivals because they're throughout the year right and there's bigger ones there's you know more there's ones with better reputations than others and they come quick there's so many right it's like podcasts and you, there's and a million you, of them yeah and you got to book them early on too well there's a submission yeah you have to submit uh to most festivals and so those, the, you know, you have to know when the actual festival happens and when the submissions open and close. Right. You have to make sure. So you have to get to work like at the beginning of the year. It's it's a good idea with yeah. festivals in particular, and then uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's a little bit tougher to to make stuff happen in the summer. Oh, I yeah. think with comedy, I don't know if that's with music, you know, but yeah, it depends. It's generally we know what we're doing for the year by the end of the first quarter. You know what I mean? Because, uh, yeah. like, with something like going overseas, like, we haven't gone overseas in two years. And it's like you pretty much know, like, you have to have everything pretty much booked six to nine months in advance. Okay. So, and unless you're doing festivals, actually, the only good thing to do in the summertime is festivals. festivals. Yeah. People want to be outside. Right. Because there's, because all the buildings <coughs> are. Fucking medieval, man. Like, like so many, like not everywhere is retrofitted with, with air conditioning. Yeah. You know, so it gets hot in the cities in, Uh in Europe, you know, even in Western Europe, like Germany gets hot as fuck. And so people, they want to be outside. They want to go to festivals. They go on, they call it going on holiday. You know what I mean? Like the whole continent (laughs) goes on holiday. Everybody goes to the fucking Azores and Spain and Italy and, Mm -hmm. you know, they they scatter or to music festivals. So we haven't really had an opportunity to do much in the way of music festivals over there. And if we were going to, we would probably know by now. Wow. You know what I mean? They would be announcing the festival lineups here in the next yeah. 60 days, probably. No, it makes sense. There's, the scale is so huge right. for those things. Right. And then so pretty much we're hoping that we can get back over next fall. Like we are thinking, as far as touring goes, we are thinking of next October, November, December. Damn. You know, so. Yeah, I need, I need to be that far out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, in, it's, oh, you're pretty far out to me, man. Uh, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's nice to know, though, so that if you go, okay, it doesn't look like we're doing anything that big. 
this year. Let's plan some stuff we want to do. You know, let's plan, or not that we don't want to go to Europe, but let's plan some, let's just do what we want to do here. Okay, yeah. we want to keep our eyes out for some kind of big opening opportunity. We want to get into the studio and get some recording done. We want to release an album, things like that. Yeah. Like what I see with, with resolutions is that they're so stringent that, and people don't account for the, um, their own inconsistencies. You know what I mean? They don't account for it. Like, like people are like who go, I'm going to quit drinking or I'm going to go vegan or I'm going to work out every single day. Like you see there is a statistic and I don't know what the exact number is, but a percentage of drop-off for new gym memberships. Mm-hmm. Like, right around end of the year, first of the year, there's all these people just flooding in to sign off. And then yeah. the dropout, like the drop-off rate of like actual attendance is something like 60 to 70%. Right. It's yeah. really high. You know what I mean? Yeah. I haven't worked out in a while, but uh, I remember that being a thing for sure. It's packed. It's crazy. January, February maybe March, you know? Right. And then, yeah, uh, eventually there's, uh, yeah, there's a few more spots open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eventually. It, you just got to wait a little bit. So it's like what I try to do is I try to, I try to write out a list of areas that um, uh, masters, the gods that I serve, you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. there's being a dad, there's, you know, being a partner, being, you know, there's the band stuff, there's kind of auxiliary band stuff, because I plan multiple projects, you know, there's work stuff. And I, so I kind of have these, these different roles that I'm in. And then I think of outcomes that I would like to make progress on, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And then track that progress just kind of at the end of the year be able to look back at that and go oh you know i didn't necessarily hit the level of progress that i wanted to but i did i did move the needle on these things this year right yeah you know i and i have found that that is much more practical and effective than setting like a resolution hard. yeah hard specific you know cuz you're not going to Lofty shit. Well, dude, every day is not going to be December 31st. You know, every day is not going to be New Year's Day. You're going to get three, four months in and your resolve, you -hmm. know, the the, the root of resolution, you know, your resolve is, is going to, is going to fluctuate. Yeah. You know, so being able to have like a project that you can return to, I find is is pretty useful. So I get yeah. I get excited about New Year's Day, and again, I know it's arbitrary, but something about the the numerology of twenty twenty seems yeah, it's fun. Very, it's fun. It's, it's important, right? Doesn't it feel important? Yeah, and for I, no reason, like you said, it is. It doesn't really matter, but for some reason, it we, you know we enough of us place. A little bit of value in it right. or extra value, then that's real, right? Whether or not the value is quote unquote real, like, you know, whether or not it has a tangible, measurable, provable 
weight to it, the human unconscious mind responds to symbols and rituals. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like patterns and Yeah. You can I mean that's why r- rituals have survived as long as they have. You know, human beings have this need for you know, imposing order on the inherent chaos of yeah. of existence. Yeah, get yeah, controlling as much as we can because there's right. a lot that we can't. Right. Yeah. So yeah, we need a little, and it's fine to have you know a little bit extra importance, or maybe it helps you. Right. It pushes you a little bit if you're like, all right, yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. 2020 is just my year. I've seen a few people say, and it's I like, I think if you let it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a big, um, it plays into, in like the story of our comic, it uh, it plays into that a little bit. Like we pretty much slide the scale of our history up 20 years. So it's supposed to be, basically, we're supposed to be teenagers in 2020. And... 2040 where a majority of the book takes place or a majority of the story takes place is supposed to be us like our age now in the year 2040 in a post-apocalyptic wasteland you know what i mean yeah so and the thing that has always stood out to me with that is it's this idea of like it was the beginning of crystal clear vision you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. like it's 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 kind of this metaphor for Clarity in the collective consciousness that is going to come at a pretty huge price. You know, I feel like I feel like we especially in our country, but globally, really globally, I think that we've been going through these growing pains of a lot of catalytic and painful experience or uh, a heightened awareness of that painful experience on a global level because we've seen just the internet and social media and and mass media just explode just communication is just exploded information is just exploded so much in the past in the past couple decades in the past few decades uh but primarily in the last decade you know i i I think it's been a a a a a painful growth but i think i think we are going to start seeing things integrate and make more sense and we're I, I i really think we're going to see human beings taking some positive it's some massively positive steps right and, yeah. you know and and um and that may be just you know assigning what i want to see onto that number but i don't see anything particularly harmful in that you know, in in one assigning our own meaning to things, just kind of an, on an arbitrary level. You know, even creating creating symbols out of things like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. There's a lot of them that are not dangerous or hurtful, and so yeah, they've endured, and it's a good thing. It's fine. Makes it easier than uh, if we tried to somehow adjust how we measured time or whatever. Have it would you be really hard to do? We can't even do, you know, we can't figure out daylight savings time. It seems like maybe we'll, <laughs> maybe we'll be able to reverse it, but I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, yeah. It, I, it hasn't happened yet, except you know Arizona just being like, yeah, we're not. Doing we're not going to participate. No in it. thanks. There's not what we're not mining anything, or we're not growing anything down. No, here. nothing grows down. Here. 
<laughs> yeah, it's hot, and then it's a little bit less hot. Yeah. Whether the sun's up or down, we don't care. Right. But yeah, we definitely don't need it. We don't need the sun to be coming out any earlier in the no, day. No, no, no. If we're, we have a choice, we're not going to slide our day for you. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. okay. So tell me, tell me what you're ex- because I remember. This is the thing about, I, I want to go back to your show, uh, uh, your podcast that you were doing for a bit, and your experiment with doing it on Facebook Live. Yeah. What was it that that killed it for you and let you know it was tr- time to pivot and try something else? Uh, I think the main thing was that my first thought, because you don't know a lot of things with anything creative until you do them you know right. you, you can try to think your way Tell me through about it. right you try to think your way through stuff and sometimes it does right. help it does help you make better uh, decisions as you go but a lot of things uh, you just do them and you learn from mistakes and you find people right. that help you or whatever and right. so my thought was we're all i'm on facebook way too much a lot of us are on facebook way too much so why not you know bring my podcast to, to people on Facebook. And I knew that I had a good mix of uh, comic friends and non-comic friends. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, so the potential for ran- cool random interactions was high. Right. And like I said, I didn't like the idea. Uh, you know, there's a million uh, podcasts where it's a comic talking to a comic. Mm-hmm. So... I thought maybe switch it up and have guests guess now and then, depending on if it were easy, instead of having to force, you know, find somebody, even if, you know, I can't right. get my first five, six, seven people I'd like to talk to or whatever. Right, you know, right. That, those, those challenges. Uh, but after a few episodes, I discovered, learned that people are on Facebook, but they're not all going to watch something with right. the volume on, listen, and be able to interact and stay. I don't think that's how people consume no. Facebook. No, and it wasn't how I – it's not how I do – I mean, if I want. But a lot of it is uh, quick scrolling and just taking in a bunch right. of random shit. And, uh, Trying to you get know, that dopamine hit, dude. Yeah, just – yeah, laughing a few times. And, um, and uh, so – a lot of the comics during the day when I was trying to record, a lot of the comics are either sleeping or they're scrolling right. like that. And then a lot of people are at work, so they can't listen to stuff, uh, especially not live. You know, if, if they can listen to things, they're going to listen to podcasts whenever right. whenever they want. So They're yeah, going to go to a specific place to listen to a podcast. They're going to go to a specific place yeah. to watch the type of content that YouTube does. Like, it, it, it becomes a matter of... of trying to figure out the way people use each respective platform. Yeah. And a lot of times, I don't know if this is true for you, but a lot of times I think where my error has been is in going into these platforms with a perspective of reason. Yeah. Like going into (laughs) it and being like, oh, you know, this is a really quality piece of content and people will really enjoy watching it and they'll tell people about it and they'll watch it. Yeah. But that's not the way, especially a platform like Facebook or Instagram operates. It's pretty much people are just going through just rapidly giving their approval or disapproval to things that they consume quickly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so, so we've been in the middle of this launch campaign for our new single, our new motion comic. Like we've you know, had a lot of label push behind it and every, everything. 
And, you know, it's had some really positive uh, results that I'm super thrilled about and I'm super proud about. It has some results that fell short of, of expectations, you know, and so I'm kind of dealing with that and trying to take the feedback from it and work it out. And, and you know, so we've been seeing a lot of up and downs in it, but overall, like, I'm happy with what we did. Like, I'm, I'm proud of what we did. Yeah. Um, but it's made me learn a lot about these platforms. And one of the things that I learned recently, and this is really funny, is... I don't know if they have anything like this for comedy. They probably could. I mean, if you've got your artist on multiple platforms, like if you have yourself as an artist, you could probably use something like this. But uh, there's this company called Next Big Sound. And what mm-hmm. they do is they compile data, sor- like data from various sources. It doesn't seem like they've really got all the sources dialed in, yeah. but it, it is a good sampling of certain sources. Twitter and Facebook specifically. And you can follow whatever artists you want and see what their social impact is looking like. Like we consistently over-index every week. You know, we have we have good numbers because we produce a lot of content. But I didn't really see any fluctuation. I, I didn't see the fluctuation I thought I would see on most of our channels, right? Mm-hmm. Facebook included. Yeah. And then one day I get an email notification because it sends me notifications anytime some of them I follow like has a big spike. So I got one. It's like there was a there was a new insights for MF Ruckus and da da da. And I just see the like picture of the spike mm-hmm. in the thing, and I open up the email and I'm like, oh man, this must be from you know the campaign that we've been doing and da 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 da. And I look at it and it shows me this the post that uh, uh, that caused the spike and it's a video that i shared of a local news anchor talking shit about people sending in pictures of their patio furniture covered in snow (laughs) and like everyone we know in the state of colorado was like and shared that around yeah and it it got the best reach out of anything that we have put up since logan put up a spider-man meme like six months ago yeah that's just how the 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 platform works. Yeah. People are just zipping through it, just getting that quick blast of information. Mm-hmm. You know, you're lucky if you can get them to look at something for three seconds. Yeah. Yeah, it is tough. And, and so many people are trying, they are competing for your eyeballs. Right. They're filling up the, you know, the all all of the top... Ten whatever websites right now that people use to oh yeah to tweet or post or share right yeah it's whew, View, viewer and acquisition and data so yeah that's and, what that's what people want yeah yeah and uh, yeah you have the creative or you have the people who are creative in so many different ways trying to do that trying right. to share content of their own and other stuff that you like to show people who you are. Right. And then because it's so big, you have people who are just doing, just making shareable internet content. They're skipping the original reason that you're trying to get your name out there. Right. 
And so in so many ways, they're just, you know, they're, I mean, they're streamlining how to get big online. Right. And if you do that formula, uh, you know, but not everybody can be like a a beautiful woman or the kind of. (laughs) Not everyone can be. Not everyone. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of ways to go about it. But, man, so many of them are just. Uh, you know, overflowing with yeah. with people that are similar to you. I think I think what so what I'm starting to realize is it's important to understand how your own how your own analytics compare to your own analytics alone. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and and that's a fancy way of saying you know, compare yourself to no one other than yourself. Sure, yeah, because. What I'm starting to find is that, you know, we, we don't have insanely high numbers, but we have decently consistent numbers. Mm-hmm. And based on the trends in those consistent numbers, I can go, okay, this is roughly how many people are realistically engaging with us, you know, on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year basis. Mm-hmm. And that helps me kind of manage my manage my expectations and my effort it's like okay this is this is legitimately what i have to work with conservatively these are generally like those three people that liked or commented probably represent a pool of about 30 to 300 people Mm-hmm. You know, between there somewhere, you know, that, yeah. that they, they represent a group of people who saw it and and took at least some notice of it. Mm-hmm. But that's probably it. It's yeah. not it's not the number of li- like someone told me recently, only five percent of your network sees uh, like your reach only hits five percent of your followers across sites and on, stuff? on Facebook for sure Facebook is terrible it's yeah, gotta, yeah it's gotta be yeah it, it, everybody's uh, a lot of comics especially talk about it that there were there must have been a point in the last like year or two when you know you just saw likes and comments go down oh way, yeah way, way down engagement way down yeah but I also think people are kind of afraid <clears throat> to engage with anything right now, that might be part know? of it but I but th- it also the reach is way down well and, and I've seen enough people say say it to make me think that it's probably true, which is just that Facebook wanted people to start sponsoring content. Right. If you were from a band or a a business or whatever, they wanted you to pay to reach the people that you organically connected with. So it it was fucked. Right. And we all hated it and we all talked about it. And, but it, because so many people talked about it, it felt a lot more plausible and of course it must be right. Right. Because have you ever paid for advertising on Facebook? Uh, I think, uh, no, not really. I think maybe for the last couple of too much funds, we might have. Right. I can't remember. I don't even think we did. But here's the, here's felt, the thing. It felt weird, and I was yeah. like, all right, I'm going to have to do this for some things, but I haven't yet. Uh, we, we've done it a bunch. Okay. We've done it a bunch, and our label has done it a bunch. Yeah. But here's the thing, is reach doesn't really mean anything when there is so much flying by. Yeah. Like, I saw some stuff today that made me laugh my ass off. I couldn't tell you what any of it was. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like every day you're yeah. going, every day you're going, yeah. did you see this meme? Did you see this video? Yeah. Did you see what so-and-so posted? And it's just flying in and like, out of your mind. Yeah. So and yeah, the best of the best, too. Dude, like, only the top, yeah. for the most part, because there's so much stuff competing. 
some some people are just seeing like the funniest, the biggest. Not even though, well, not mixed, even mixed not in even, with garbage, yeah, but. right. But I mean, like even even they're getting washed out. You know, there's Bombarded. so many comedy yeah, yeah. specials going on right now. Yeah, I've I I mean, they could be amazing, and I I wouldn't have seen them because you get that you get that choice paralysis, and you kind of just go, I'm gonna lean back on the five or so things yeah. that I really like to watch. Sure, like I have like. Five podcasts, really three podcasts (laughs) that I listen to pretty regularly or like five channels that I really follow on YouTube and I watch most of their stuff or I lean into one or I've got, you know, I've I've, I've got a handful of go to's that I do on my drive to and from work or during that that time that I consume content on my couch. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So even if you're reaching all those people, I don't feel like the conversion, it it converts the same. And I and when we began this campaign, I told some of the people from our label and some of the people that we worked with on it, I was like, my only interest is in how this converts. Yeah. My only interest is in, you know, does this help us be able to make more of them, uh, more of the stuff that we like to make, or does it lead to us being able to do a tour? And the end result of that is all the same. It's like, is this going to make us better able to serve the people who are already engaging with our stuff in the first place? Mm -hmm. You know, we're really only serving those that handful of people who actually give a shit and actually see what comes through. Because, I mean, our label, they, they backed a promotional effort on this, on this new thing, and they promoted the, the teaser video. We made like a 30-second teaser video. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it has a click-through link to go, go, to, um, go to a landing page with, with a, a link to the YouTube video, the, the motion comic, and then you know, Deezer and Spotify and iTunes and, and Last.fm and all the different places you could want to go to, right? Like, yeah. like something that I would have dreamed of having, you know, early on in my career. Right, yeah. And then when they... You've, when, right. you, when you're at that level, yeah. Right. Where, where everything's clicking and, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, you're like, man, if only my stuff looked this slick and amazing. Right. And was it? But they dropped, you know, they dropped a budget on, on the Facebook teaser and it has reached over... 30,000 people Mm -hmm. but as far as click-throughs I don't even think we've hit a thousand yeah so that kind of gives you an idea of the conversion rate you know what I mean it still sucks yeah yes it's getting in front of a lot of people but the legitimate conversion and I've looked across all our platforms and even with that big push it's like the conversion to internet to website traffic the conversion to Facebook analytics, the conversion to everything. Yeah. I really feel like like we've matched it with the podcast before. Mm-hmm. We've matched it with a good weekend of shows before. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? It just, yeah. to me, it was demonstrative of really how people are consuming content on these platforms and how overloaded they are with it right yeah you know yeah you got a lot of options like you said you're 
it's your short-term memory is is enjoying it and then forgetting about it right because you can't yeah you're not going to store it all every every person that posted something right. you liked or every band that you listened to 10 seconds of the video and you're like oh yeah I liked that I I also feel like there could be you know the type of uh, you know, rep- repetition mm-hmm. of, of if people see your name enough, maybe they're more likely to check out a show when you're in town. Right. But I don't know how that would be quantified, be shown to you, like you were right. saying with those analytics. They're they're the thing on Twitter. You know, that seeing the impressions versus likes or retweets right. is usually disappointing. Right. Because it's a it's a thousand people saw it. Right. But four people liked it, you know, and nobody retweeted it. And it's like, well, fuck, man. It just like flew by. Did you giggle? You know? And and cumulatively, if you see 10 tweets of mine that you like over the course of a week or whatever, are you more likely to eventually start retweeting me or come to a show or whatever? I don't know. Probably not because there's so much. Right. Yeah. There's the big, big, there's, there's a million big names now as opposed to like you know yeah, 10 it, i know and i think 10 people you know dominating it's whew, there's just a lot of there's a lot of people that you can try to siphon over you know right into your fan base but well and there's a competitive um, that it, it's super competitive but and it's some also people, some people still only know five or ten bands right. or comics and they don't go to the movies that much and they don't watch a lot of new right series so yeah i mean what man going to the movies was, I mean, I go to the movies. I mean, less and less now that I yeah. got it. Now that I got a kid, you got a little baby. I got a little baby. You know, actually, the Alamo does. Um, they do daytime. Yeah. you know, they're uh, figuring family it out. Shows. Yeah, yeah, which, which is, is great. Cool. It's a good move. Yeah. yeah, because yeah, you you want parents to be able to. Right. When I was younger, and you don't I want them at like, your movie. On. Well, yeah, you don't. Yeah, <laughs> separate but equal can work. <laughs> If you're not, yeah. If, 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 you if, have if, to, if you're talking about people equal. with children. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes separate. Yeah, and I'm not talking about race relations. I'm talking about kids. No Family kids. planning. Yeah. No, yeah, the Alamo's <laughs> figuring it out. That's yeah, a good move. Yeah, that's cool, man. It's cool. But, I, but uh, like, <clears throat> so what I, I think everyone has access to a share, but the shares as a result are smaller. Mm-hmm. And so we have like the way to make it work is to figure out how to best manage your share of attention and mm-hmm. treat it right. You know what I mean? And and accept its fleeting nature. You know, it, yeah. it, 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 it accept it and destigmatize it and kind of go, okay, ha-, like I think in terms of one and two percents. Like I think, and I've mentioned this a bunch on the show, our, our longtime listeners know is like, I talk about, you know, I go, okay, we have, we're approaching 5,000 followers on Facebook, which is going to get flushed down the toilet in a few years anyway, Yeah, because they are circling the drain in the social media world for sure. Yeah. Like they're, they're going to move into Oculus and gaming and, and whatever their next, like, scary Orwellian venture. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? They're going to make us be able to fly. Yeah, yeah. But in exchange, like, they own us. They're going <laughs> to they're gonna own all the sex robots. Like, yeah. it, like it's going to... <laughs> dude, every... 
every sex robot is going to have like one of those little Playboy bunny tattoos that strippers mm. get, but it's <laughs> yeah. going to be the Facebook logo. Yeah, oh, <laughs> just yeah. right down there, God. bam, right on the hip. Just That's like so you can't you can't miss it. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so it's like uh, it's managing that share it's like it's going yeah. okay so out of that 5000 people that means probably we regularly reach maybe 500 people at a time 500 people probably actively give a shit okay actively mm-hmm. are aware of what we're going on they come to shows from time to time they, they like keep up on us and and follow us and can like name the guys in the band and know some of our songs all right so probably right, about yeah. 500 people are broad fans all right and then one to two percent so about um 50 to 100 people yeah to maybe like 150 people conservatively are the people that are like involved, like come to all, you know, come to shows whenever we're around. They regularly follow our stuff. They know all our stuff. They own t-shirts and they own merch and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think in terms of like, okay, what do these people like? What would these people enjoy? You know, what, what can I provide for them? And I, I think another big part of it is, Realizing that the stuff that you have online is just stuff for people to find after they've seen you in the real world. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, A place you can send people after they've met you out in reality. Yeah. And you've had an experience together. Yeah. The, yeah. Those people, I think, are more likely to stay on your team or whatever. Right. Continue to remember you, seek you out or whatever, and tell people that, yeah. Uh, my hope is that that continues to be true. I, I I just heard, well, I guess Billie Eilish, no, no, Grimes. Well, I just saw a headline on Twitter not that long ago that she said uh, live touring and live shows were going to die out sooner than later. And it, I, it scared me because I thought – yeah. And a lot of comics, every comic says, you know, and I think rightfully so. There, there isn't. It's not the same. Spe- with music more than comedy, I think. Music, well, for no, they sure. both, both oh, of them. I would dude. say both of them. There's, it's better. It's better live. There's more. There's an extra level of little layer of magic. Involved. Oh, it's down across the board. Yeah, I mean, it is. Oh, yeah, it is. It is. Except for the top fifty artists or whatever I, I, in dude, the world. I get a lot of people from a lot of walks of life in the music business on, on, on this show. And, and just, and you know, I mean, I, I, I follow, I follow the biz. I follow the complaints, you know, yeah. I'm in, I'm in the groups with the people who are going, why is it like this when it should be like this? <laughs> uh-huh. Let's all talk about it. You know, I get, I get those arguments mm-hmm. in my feed and I see what's going on. And it's, it's like, dude, it's, Totally, from an economic perspective, it's like just this flood of supply and like next to no mm. demand. Yeah. And then... And the consolidation of the big... And shows or... Event companies, right? Oh, yeah. That's and not the big good event companies, for everybody, you know? right? Yeah. Like, um, you know, we've heard about people's budgets being like all but eliminated. You know, a, attendance is down. You're seeing bands, you know, bands that are big in your mind and mine... 
you know, like bands that I always looked up to are playing small room, you know, smaller and smaller rooms for smaller and smaller guarantees. Like, it is happening. What I've noticed is the difference. And I heard I heard the interview that uh, that Joe Rogan did with um, Kevin Smith. And what Kevin Smith talked about was eventizing your your stuff. Yeah. Like Kevin Smith with the new Jane Silent Bob movie, he and Jay went on a premiere tour. Right. And because what what he talked about and the way, the way he theorized it is he's like he's like if you are making unless you're making something like fucking Avengers, yeah, you know, yeah, you've basically got one weekend, yeah, sink or swim, yeah. He's like you've got one weekend that's, that that's going to be your that's going to that's going to be that your your moment fate. in the sun. Oh, that it's, it's and, not and, even up to that weekend. You're saying you get the weekend and that's it. I mean, pretty much. I mean, movies, not. movies. Yeah. Well, no, they stay in the theaters. Oh, but the push but, behind but, you know, it. The push behind it completely drops off, you know, yeah, except gotcha. for like maybe the word of mouth push gotcha. and things like that. And um, I mean, dude, we have seen, we have seen a drop off for sure, especially locally. You know what I mean? Because we're, for all intents and purposes, we're still a local band and we've been playing for 20 fucking years. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, and, and, and so we've seen some fluctuation and the times that we see we do the best are when we're playing with someone else, that it's an event to go see them and it's an added treat that they get to see us. Yeah. Or you see like the Potato Pirates just had their, um, their new album release and they sold out the Bluebird. Wow. Like... You know, but for them to do that, like, first of all, a band like the Potato Pirates, they have that built in punk rock audience, you know, you know, people, people of that world fucking love that band. Right. You know, they've got it dialed in. Um, And but then you add a, you know, a record release to it and you get all the bands that are part of that community and you get them involved with it. And and you, you kind of pad that out and make it into something that people want to be at and want to be seen at. Sure. You know, yeah. it's a big deal. I went to those, those, those ween Halloween shows were sold out all three nights and they were all amazing. Mm-hmm. And it was something that like people from all tribes were talking about. Cause it was like, it was, a, it was an event, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't just another show. That's like, like just another show is just it's it's a form of casual engagement which is important for sure but i don't think we can really expect much in a especially in a city like denver where so much is going on mm-hmm. seven nights a week yeah you know our our entertainment market increased tenfold Mm-hmm. You know, just in terms of venues and bands and and comics, what has it been yeah. like for you guys in the comedy world? Like, what have you obso- observed as far as turnouts for shows? And do you like do comics have followers? Like, are there people who like follow you in the real world and come see you do shows, or is it pretty much you're getting in front of whatever crowd happens to be at that spot for comedy that night? Uh, well, the first person i think of is like there's one super fan which is dave caldwell 
I don't know if you've met him, but he... I know of Dave Caldwell. Yeah. <laughs> He's got the really recognizable laugh, right? He, a, he, he goes to very, all the shows. very powerful laugh, yeah. And, and he, he goes to all the he shows. He sits up front. He goes to a lot of shows, yeah. And he has for a long time. And he's just, you know, loves comedy and is very grateful for every opportunity he gets to see people that he knows and to see new comics. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are other big mega fans that love going to shows and they go to a lot of shows and they have favorites. Right. Um, but yeah, there, I, I mean way more often than not, you do have random people. I think that are, that are new to Denver or they hear there's a comedy show. Going they, on. Yeah. They, so they're, yeah. So they're checking out new places or they have, maybe they have a couple spots that they're going to now and a comedy show ends up, there's so many shows, right? Some, you know, uh, there is, I think there has been, a push to try to, you know, hit uh, certain places outside of downtown Denver, you know, because right. there's neighborhoods where maybe some of those people aren't checking out, you know, they aren't going all over the city. Right. So you come to them and you try to make something work at a bar or brewery, you know, that doesn't have eight Try- shows already. Right. Trying, trying to just use the, P- like, like you're trying to use the pull of the place itself rather than the pull of the comics of that you. are going to be coming in the door. Right. Yeah. Well, and also, you know, if you aren't touring a lot and you're here, then you know that people have quite a few opportunities to see you and they can be picky. Right. So you can't, uh, yeah, you can't rely on comics that are going to be here working, doing a lot of shows. you can't overdo your material like you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you don't have to be too worried about that because there aren't a lot of people checking out a ton of shows every month. Right, right, Like you were saying, they they have... And it's just funny to be reminded how... Some people aren't comedy people, you know? A lot of people. Maybe if they're they're big into music or movies, they don't have a ton of different... You rarely have people get, like, upset and yell up at the... Like, you really have people... Rarely have people get upset and ruin a show... At a music concert, yeah, yeah like like it'd be you, hard to do. Like you don't have, you don't have the like hecklers don't have as much of a voice as they do in the comedy world, right? Yeah, like generally in the in a music show, you could just turn up your guitar and and blast them out of the room. Just but, blast them. That's but, <laughs> <laughs> you should do that, dude. You should bring uh, yeah. a guitar on stage. Well, and if someone to, starts heckling you, I blast them with my jokes typically, like. <laughs> I blast them by ignoring them and plowing through whatever they said. Right. I used to try, and sometimes I still try to ask what was what was said and and make something out of it. Right. But it's hard. So a lot of the times I do try. It's just harder to power through, and right. it's hard because uh, when a crowd, when I can feel that a crowd is uh, chatty and and may, maybe drunk enough to where there's uh, likely going to be somebody trying to talk. Mm-hmm. As soon as I'm not talking, I don't. I don't really pause very much. You know? Oh, so you just like do your set, like I try, yeah. You're like ripping to, through jokes. Yeah, you just try to talk so much that and 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 I don't stop and take a drink or something, right? You know, right. because then just you know, yeah, you're given the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, and, and they're it, waiting for it. It's yeah, it sucks when they're waiting for <laughs> it because Dude. I've been you know sometimes you do want to have the pause be long enough to where the tension builds a little more and then the punchline you know is a bigger right. there's a bigger release but you do run the risk of uh yeah having of having the opposite the worst 
the much worse thing happen in that in that pause, which is that tension is fucked, right? And the rhythm is is fucked by somebody yelling, yelling any, anything, right? Su- they can just go and supportive, it, random, hateful are all they bad. all have the same effect. They're all bad, yeah. So all of you who think you're helping yelling stuff on stage. Some of these people do think they're helping. Oh. Some of them are barely paying attention and then letting that. In their brain, that means that you're not funny. Instead right. of them not meeting you, you know, it's not right. even halfway. It's you know, it's the bare minimum, which is paying attention, listening to I the would, words. Then, yeah, you're. I was always so, and I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I was always so impressed with you. And when I name, when I name my favorite Denver comics, like you always come up in in the top three, and a, and a big reason for that was. Watching you host the open mic at King's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> number one, you always had fresh stuff. Well, yeah, you, I tried every week. Every week you went up there and you had fresh stuff. Your improv stuff was was fresh and quick and clever and and effective. Yeah. Like and and on top of all of that, the way that you handled environmental factors. Like, you know, God rest his soul, Eddie Romero just like yelling shit up at the stage <laughs> or, oh, or, yeah, or, or Black Rabbit coming in and yeah, yelling stuff yeah. at the stage <laughs> or some of the wing nuts that you got up on. Um, yeah, that's got up, up, yeah. Like um, the, the fart on that bitch guy. Do you remember that? This, on, during It was around like St. Patrick's Day and that guy like wandered in off the street and he was like wearing like a velour suit and like the weed leaf lay and he was shit face drunk and he got up on stage and and he was he was like, yeah, I'm... I'm running for president on that green party. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like trying to make all these like stoner jokes. And then he closed out talking about sleeping next to a girl who farts on you. Yeah. And then, and then he closed out and he was like, he was like, <laughs> so in closing, just turn around and fart on that bitch. Peace y'all. And you went up on stage <laughs> and you used it the whole rest of the night. Uh, and yeah. like you even, I think you even closed your show Fart on that bitch. Peace out for two or three weeks after that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I I I can't picture the guy, but I remember fart on that bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was probably six years ago. Yeah, yeah, dude. That stuck out. That is stuck out <laughs> in my mind as one of my favorite uh, comedy moments. Like you were always, you were always so good on like ripping on the people who worked there and were regulars there, but in a way that made them feel included right, and yeah. not, like, picked on. Combative, yeah. You, you know what I mean? That, that was part of it, yeah. That was, I... It, it was tough, but it, it was it, very we, cool. we had to make it work because we didn't want... The worst thing you could do is is have the regulars stop showing up. Right. You know, we were always supposed to be... You know, Jim Norris called me and offered me six to eight, you know, right. Fridays uh, because... There weren't a ton of people coming through, regulars for sure, right. some, some great regulars, like you said, Eddie. <laughs> uh, you know, just some, some good – some people that wanted to drink early, you know, earlier right. in the day or when they got off work. And so – and there would be music at 9 most nights, 9 or 10. So, yeah, we uh, filled that 
in between time. So it was always a little bit of a weird time. The regulars are always the toughest part of that crowd in any bar, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Because they're resentful of having comedy forced upon them. Yeah, yeah. It came out and all of a sudden, yeah. I was like, all right, if you're going to be drinking here, you're going to have to either tune us out or... You can't listen to the jukebox. Yeah, It's no. rude of you to have a conversation. To a certain extent, yeah. You, you gotta, can't play pinball. Can't sit right there. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah we used to turn the pinball off. Yeah. yeah. And we were on the main stage, the big... Or we were on the stage uh, for so long, and now we're over our— Oh, you're you know, on the side stage now? There's that new side stage, yeah, right by the entrance. Do you it, prefer it, it? Do you prefer it, or did you like it's it better. the way? You, it's better. It because it condenses better. the crowd more? Well, because a lot of the time when we were on the stage, you know, we would bring uh, the, the tables and stools over, so there were like four, three tops or whatever that you could sit right. at. But a lot of people didn't do that, so— they were at the bar anyway. Right. You, you know, just ended up with on the, the far side of the room. Right. And you could tell if they were having a good time, but they were f- over there. You right. Know? So, um, yeah, when we switched th- two years ago or whatever, I don't know how long it's been now, right. but it's been a little while. I, I realized it was going to be better because we were always going to have some people at the bar. Right. And to have them right there is better than ha- having them be so far away. Having the venue in a different room is always dicey, you know, because unless you are the band or the entertainer that people are there to see, like, like I have planned my night around coming to see this person, unless it's them, they, they don't want to leave the area where the party's going on. You know what I mean? They, it's like Larimer Lounge is like that. You know, Larimer Lounge is a great venue. It's a great place. They got great sound and it's really cool. But if... Your draw is limited. Everyone's going to be at the bar the whole time. Right. It's still a good you know, time to. They're watching from a distance. To half-ass the listening. Right. right. Yeah. And I can't. And you got to get blast. Get in there and get blasted. Dude, when we. That's when, the best part. I right. stand right by the fucking <laughs> speaker. Yeah. Yeah. Which is I. I've had tinnitus forever, but I want music loud. Yeah. And you, same. Yeah, I don't want to be at the bar. I want to go. Yeah, right. If I'm going to see somebody, I want to see. And I like watching them play. You know, watching musicians play right that's and i do too yeah you know when i make it out to a show that's a whole nother thing is like people being able to netflix and chill and all that shit you know people are talking about disney plus and i'm like well yeah another one yeah the biggest there goes there (laughs) you know there goes some more people for fucking for show crowds you know yeah yeah i have a joke about how hard it is to leave home because it's it's everything you want right. especially when you get older when you're younger you still want to go out and like party right have fun meet people but yeah if once you get a lot of friends that you like and you see uh you know the people that you, you like to work yeah you have, a, you have a group yeah and it, uh, yeah and uh and you're with someone typically right. uh and yeah you got some pets or some kids then Home is better and better. Home, home is, is better nice. And better, but I also say that you can't, if you stay at home all the time, you start to feel trapped or depressed right, right. a lot of the time uh, because maybe you're not interacting right. with people in real life and you're not, uh, yeah, experiencing stuff out. Yeah. I don't know. I think of people who work in an isolated way, whether it's from home or, you know, they go and they work and there's not a lot of interact interaction right. with coworkers and then they go home and they don't go to bars to meet people or or try to you know hook up with someone right 
God, and they uh, if they are going to walk somewhere, they're putting on oh yeah just their favorite songs. Uh, isolating just, you're spoiled. Too. Well, you're yeah. spoiled, um, and 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 you, at the same time, you're losing a lot of just whatever helps right. us helps us get along uh, and 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 past time. The like public house thing, like the like let's get together and go to the barn dance. Let's get together and go, you know, it's, 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 let's go down to the campfire and, and roast some meat together and bang yeah. on rocks, you know, like that, right. that real, that type of stuff. Well, yeah, we were talking about real engagement and yeah. the same thing can be from, yeah, there's something lost when you're just texting with someone. Sometimes you got to talk on the phone, you got to meet up. Oh yeah. And if you don't, and it's all, like I said, if it's all up to what you want, I think it, it can spoil you where you're just less right. able to, to, Put up with other people's random shit or live in a city. Right. Because instead of seeing God, you know, one of the one of my favorite things uh recently was hearing uh you're not in traffic, you are traffic. Right. <laughs> it fucking I don't yeah. know. It's, it's one of those things you aren't that in is so traffic, simple. You are traffic. Yeah, you're not stuck in traffic. You're not being fucked by all of the traffic you are traffic. that is in your way. Right. You're, traffic you're the thing that you hate yeah. until you realize or it just helps make you not want to kill everybody around you right and see them as an enemy because right. you're all trying to go somewhere and hopefully do something nice maybe you have to go do yeah. something terrible and that's life and yeah if you you're all God. just trying to get to a place on a system that we designed that yeah. is like the best our best engineers could think of <laughs> you know right when, a with, long time ago in a lot of cases and then yeah trying to Trying to accommodate right. shifts in in yeah and 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 then and then new people being born and trying to update the plan, you know yeah, and yeah. and in the meantime millions of people criticizing yes <laughs> yes so many people <laughs> this yeah, just, piece of shit car just this piece of shit road yeah this piece yeah. of shit in front of me God. yeah right yeah Dude, and, and I love yeah. traffic by the way do you I do <laughs> okay. I do I'm I might be alone on this <laughs> I think you are literally. <laughs> The okay. only because it is uh, it takes me forty five minutes. I th- I would say it takes forty minutes on average for me to get to work and uh, to get to work, and then about average of forty minutes back. Yeah. Now that's some days it's thirty. Right. Some days it's an hour. Yeah. You know, I work in the Highlands and I live in almost Aurora. Okay. Like I, for all intents and purposes, I live in Aurora, right? Yeah. And with a baby at home. And living, you know, with another person whose preferences I need to consider and working a job and playing in a band and doing all these different things. I don't have a lot of time mm. to educate myself. Oh, okay. And I, I don't have a lot of time. Yeah. Well, no, and I don't have a lot of time to work on music. Yeah. So I like traffic because it forces me to spend you know however many hours a week you know a little uh, a, a a little less than 7 hours a week probably mm-hmm. actually probably around 8 hours a week right god yeah that's 8 hours a week that i can devote to listening to podcasts right i've started looping demos that the band is working on like we're getting ready to go back into the studio and record some stuff so i've just been looping demos and driving in the car just singing along to demos, just making up gibberish 
and getting ideas for themes and, and things like that. Like, I use the time wisely. Uh, yeah, that's that's a good move. You know what I mean? Because I'm. Yeah. how much time are you going to be stuck in traffic in your yeah. life? Right, yeah. You know? And I... I haven't read, read, I mean, like, read a book probably in a couple of years. Yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with time and opportunity, and I just don't, I haven't had the opportunity to, like, sit down and read books. Yeah. But I listen to a ton of audio books. Okay, yeah. You know, I listen to a ton of podcasts. I, like, try and learn as much as I can during that time because it's like, you know, if there's self-driving cars and someday and I... And I am able to like actually sit in my car and like play a guitar and write right, songs yeah. that or take a fucking nap. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's like my time. Being stuck in traffic is my time. And right. I get to do whatever I want within safety and reason. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, you're doing it right, which is yeah, taking advantage of it. Seeing it as an opportunity to do specific things right. that you you know, as opposed to all the things that you can't do while you're driving. Yeah. You know, that would require more than listening or thinking now i don't yeah. retain much of anything uh-huh. yeah. it's still that whole thing going on uh, some of it i think is is able to get in there if you're yeah if you're if it's you're you're driving and you're listening to that and you're not also trying to like plan some stuff and think of right, whatever right, right yeah which is hard and i think that's why it's hard to sit and read a, a physical book right is that you do have to you have to sit down and make sit. the time for just doing that thing yeah some people can maybe listen to music and read i cannot. Oh, i can't do that shit but uh yeah uh, to really and i don't like uh you know I, I used to be bad about how much i was retaining with like shows or whatever because right. i'd still be on my phone and so i tr- I, I try to be better about that oh if yeah i'm gonna watch something new or read something, then yeah, I try to really do it and and focus on it. Dude, I have to, I have to force myself to like shut shit off. Yeah, to keep from to keep from doing it. Trying and to now, do, well, yeah, because you want to do a couple things, right? Really and make it feel like you're getting shit done or whatever. And I do ha- I do, I do need to be on there to to manage the the band, you know, right. But I don't need to be on there as much as, as I much. am. Yeah, me too. And I and I've got I've got a yeah. little eight month old that I get up with every morning, and when I catch him catching me getting sucked into my phone, yeah, like I feel bad. Right, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Like we're on the floor, and he's like practicing crawling. Yeah. Or right. you know, yeah, learning like, something, you know, or discovering. Like excited to just have me there, and he like yeah. looks up to see if I saw what he saw. Yeah. And I catch that movement out of the corner of my eye, and I go, "Oh." fuck mm-hmm. like i gotta <laughs> nip this in the butt now you yeah. know what i mean it's yeah, i don't I can know see that being tough and i can i can see it being really tough for a comic because i i feel like you guys have to produce so much more so much more frequently with with fewer fewer results Because you guys, I mean, are you pretty active on Twitter? Like, Twitter is huge for comics, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. I try to be, I'm, I'm like, uh, up and down with it. Like, recently I tried to be on it more, so I've been trying to tweet more, but... 
Mm-hmm. There's not a ton. Like we were saying, the the feedback can be very weird unless you're like really on top of it and you right. tweet during the day. Monday through Friday, you know, like pretty right. damn consistently. It, it's just, yeah, it takes it takes a lot to be able to get wh- what you want out of Twitter, right? Specifically, which is just you know more followers and, and <laughs> more eyeballs on you. Uh, yeah, it, it takes commitment, and so I, I feel like I try to do a little bit of most of the things that need to be done. Um, I'm not great at any of them. Right. Some people are just better at doing that part of it like right. like you said content and engaging with people well and they know how to work it they know how to game it they know how to yeah, they know that it, i mean if you do it right then yeah the potential is there to have a few things go viral enough to right. where you get quite a few followers and that can help you um but i th- how are you at getting people mad on the internet are you are you any good at that <laughs> Uh, I feel like I used to do that more. Have you just lost when interest I would get in it? Mad. Well, you know, it's tiring. Like it's exhausting. You got to commit a whole day to arguing with it, people. It can turn into or they'll a think day you're a bitch. Two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. That and God they'll think, think you're an internet bitch. Yeah, yeah you got to fight for, with them. God forbid. Yeah. God somebody, forbid that somebody, someone on the internet think you're a bitch. Calls, yeah, somebody calls <laughs> you stupid and you don't go after them for a couple hours. <laughs> yeah, I, I. That makes me think of a couple of posts i had years ago where i would get really mad about something and share it and just be like and and if it was partisan then i would and if it had something to do with republican versus democrat i would say what the fuck republicans you know and that is just the kind of you know it's very easy to get people to come in swinging and and having a public profile so that people you barely know that are friends with you on there can also share it you know with their Right. people to shit on you and yeah and then so oh yeah, yeah there were a few things then where, the pylons start yes which is fun uh, yeah and, and and so there's a little bit of i mean god if you can keep it at arms at arm's length and not get sucked in in a way to where like you said you're ignoring your wife or your or your dog or your kid right to and i've done i've been guilty of it you know uh then it's not it's still not worth it you know it, it, right. it's not so now recently more recently i've um tried to you know it's tough to paint the whole picture of like i'm doing these shows and i'm excited about it but i can't just say that and be positive all the time because it feels it won't fake. reach anybody it feel yeah it won't reach anybody it feels fake or ignorant or privileged you know right if you're just I don't know. So I, I've tried to be like, you know, in some posts, I'll try to share some personal stuff if it sucks or uh, with the shows. Right. So that it doesn't feel as like one sided. Uh, right. When it, I don't know. And, and uh, again, it is tough because I want people to read where I'm performing more than I do fuck Trump or fuck Biden, you know? Right. So. And it's it's such a conflicting thing because it's like on one hand, I see the utility and the value in the argument in those spaces. At the same time, I have no interest in being involved with the argument. Yeah. I'll have a conversation with anyone, mm-hmm. you know? If you and I have, you know perspectives that are at odds on a topic, I will gladly sit and talk with you about it. Yeah. But I will not talk about just about anything in social media. Yeah. You know, just simply because 
the psychology of the type of people who are going to get involved in a conversation like that are people who are generally speaking not reasonable. Right. Because reasonable people kind of you know, have measured discourse and are able to to see sides and yeah. are probably too busy to sit and argue with someone on the internet all day. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. And some of these some of these people that are doing that stuff, if you look at their activity logs, especially on Twitter, and you look at the range of their posts, they're going twelve hours a day. Yeah. Which with leads, six followers or whatever, yeah. Well, and you can some of them... You the can still interact with the ones, Twitter at large. Yeah, well, the ones... Well, there are those people that are just crazy people who you don't want to deal with, yeah. but you also don't want to deal with the people who are getting paid to go on the internet and stir up shit. Yeah, that's, you know, yeah, it's a weird new thing. If you're able to pay the rent and sit on Twitter 12 hours a day, it's probably a fair assumption that there is something that is keeping you active on there as a, as a, as a verified user or whatever. Yeah. Like there is, there is some benefit to you being on there and mm -hmm. fighting with people, or yeah. you're just someone who likes to go fight and you're fucking crazy and mean. Yeah. And so especially with contentious topics, and there's a ton of them, I prefer to observe the discourse going on on a broad scale kind of go, I agree with this, I don't agree with that, kind of inform my opinions about it. And then when I sit down and actually talk to someone, you know, whether it's on this podcast or it's, it's just in a bar or it's just, you know, having a one-on-one -on -one conversation, you know, I can take some of the ideas and throw them out and go, well, I heard something about this or I saw something about this and I kind of have these leanings, but yeah. what do you think? Mm -hmm. You know, that is way different than I think what people think the discussion is, which is on the battlefront in the the Netscape, you know, battling it out. Yeah. Uh, you know, duking it out and screaming at each other and, and, and the loudest, most extreme people in the argument, you know, leading us to believe that they are in control of the conversation. Sure. Yeah. You know, and and for that reason I feel like you know, I I try to only put positivity and and useful stuff out there, mm -hmm. but as far like I've even seen questions come up. Like like discussions come up that I have a funny joke or I have a thought, a perspective on it and I'll start typing it out and then I delete it. Yeah. Because I don't <laughs> That's the want, move. <laughs> dude. It's a good move. You do that too. I have. Yeah. I wonder how I have, many people do that. I have uh, quite a few times, and that's more recent because I used to send and send, right, and not think about it as much, or not not care as much when like Sam Talent, you know, friends of mine that right. would that would see me the 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 exchange try to be like, come on, you know, don't do that. It's pointless. It, right. It's a. It, you know. Like you right. say, go outside or go, you know, write a joke. That's been a thing that people try to say to, to go outside and write a joke. Yeah, go outside and or write a joke. Yeah, 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 yeah. one of the two is is better and is always going to be better than continuing to right. fight with somebody that you either know or you don't. 
online. Now we, you know, more and more, we don't know if these are even real people. Now. Right. Like you were saying that they could be paid real people who are right. running 75 or, uh, you know, 200 accounts and, and they're, oh, yeah. they're paid to sow the seeds of, of, discontentiveness. Yes. And, yeah. and arguing or they're bots that are programmed to say yeah. that same shit to go and so stir now, shit up and, yeah. and say stuff. It's undeniable. And luckily, I think we might be the 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 first pe- people that are pretty good at seeing the bullshit. The people older than us are not as good at it right. at realizing that they're talking well, to wa- a fake. We've watched it happen, yeah, and that's yeah. amazing to me. Yeah, and and to me that is such a like maybe it's just the optimist in me, but to me that is such a huge credit to human beings that over our time, our limited time interacting with this technology, we've been able to collectively become super aware of trends and patterns and and disseminate information and be like, these are fucking trolls. These yeah. are fucking bots. Like right. we're able to identify those elements in the space and people are like people talk all the time about their cringeworthy posts that they put up from years ago. Yeah. And what we're experiencing now is the other end of that learning curve where people are measured, self-aware people are far less likely to engage at all. Yeah. Because they're able to see five moves ahead and go, if I talk about this one thing, it might invite people to talk about this, and it might yeah. invite people to... And you know what? I'm just not going to put it down there. I don't have I don't have the ener- energy for this. Yeah. You know, yeah. Or the, and then you like... fall for the trap. Right. Yeah. They, I, to get over that, because like, I, you know, I'm sure you... How old are you? I am 37. So am I. Oh. So I, I thought I thought maybe, yeah, I knew we were near each we other. We look good. But we're the same. Yeah, look yeah, at us. Yeah, we look good at 37, people. <laughs> Doing it right. Yeah. Um... I, I I wish more people would get over the what I remember as you know just when it was new to interact so anonymously with random people not face to face right the fun you get from being a shithead you know right we we were doing it as teenagers and it so it made I was too afraid of it oh yeah you I didn't, didn't do it I mean I got into some fights with people yeah but I always wanted to know who they were in real uh-huh. life you know what I mean uh huh I was not. Because I think it's from growing up with a cop. You just assume you can get caught for everything. Right. Okay. Like I did a lot of stupid shit when I was drunk and I have a lengthy criminal record, but it's all doing stupid shit yeah. while drunk and uninhibited for the yeah. most part. Like, like I, my, my wife will trespass. Like, like we went on, we went on a trip one time and she wanted to get a picture with this like dilapidated old cabin that was behind a barbed wire fence. (laughs) And I just walked away and I'm just like looking around. I'm like, you can do whatever you want. I'm not going to get shot by some farmer, you know? And it's like inside the fence in the middle of nowhere, you know, we're at the zoo and she sees a flamingo feather in the pond and she's like, go get that flamingo feather for me. And I'm like, Uh no, they specifically say not to take (laughs) stuff. You know what? Yeah. You got, you got some of that in there. So when it came to slandering people anonymously on the internet, Uh I was, one, too afraid of people knowing who I was or finding me and didn't want that hanging over me. Two, I thought it was mean-spirited. Okay, well... You know what I mean? It is, no. I think it's... But what I was saying is that that... 
is like a weird rush. Right. Part oh, of yeah. It, part of it is that you could get It's like prank out. calling someone. Yes. Yeah. And I don't, I got over that quick because it, it may, I hated thinking about the, the other person just being so like, it's too <laughs> much, just too much power, too much power on an unassuming random person. I did. Yeah. I felt Frank calling. Yeah. I, oh, fe- I yeah. fell out of that pretty quick. Dude, it's the same kid. thing. It is. But, but I thought that it was much more likely that you would get found out over the phone because <laughs> star 69, oh, because yeah. you're probably calling somebody where you live. Right. You know, you weren't paying for long distance to prank call typically. <laughs> So I thought that. <laughs> Where have felt, I heard that voice? <laughs> right. I thought that felt uh, scarier, and then I thought the internet felt pretty damn. Uh, I wasn't too worried, but you get a little bit of that twinge of like fear, and right. it feeds the addictive draw of continuing to right. do that to to poke people, to shit on them, and frustrate them. Yeah, and but ideally, God, you you grow up and you realize. You focus on the, the the fact that it's another person. I, th- I think the you thing- leave them alone. We all want to be yeah, left yeah, alone yeah, yeah. so much, but then we also some of us can be so antagonistic. Uh, you know, yeah, and, oh yeah, and shitty and uh, yeah. It's like a, it's just uh, you know a bad behavior that can feel good in a in a shitty perverse way. And yeah, I wish more people would move past it because uh, God, it it really right. is gross. And it led to like if we would have all gotten better about it and. Russians started this th- campaign of misinformation and bots and trolls, it wouldn't have been as effective. Right. Because we would have been like, yeah, we don't really, we stopped doing that. So you're either, right. you're either young or you're a, tr- you're fake. We were ripe for the taking. Yeah. You know, yeah. because they, yeah. they saw, or the people, the people in charge, the people behind the scenes, whoever they are, you know, cause I have a feel. I mean, I have a feeling the actual troll farms were just a proxy you know, yeah. of somebody else's intent, whoever it may be, you know, them, but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like they, they saw how it was working. They saw the pylons, they saw the fights, they saw yeah. the, they saw the, what people were doing recreationally for fun and they saw how they could manipulate, um, they, they saw how they could manipulate that rage economy Right. You know, and I the thing the thing that I got out of it, out of the internet, was I really liked the possibility of being um especially when I got a little bit older and I started to get you know, and I was older and single and involved. I wanted to be I wanted to be cool and famous and sexy and wise. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I wanted to just like I wanted to just be a cool, popular, likable guy and yeah. and what ends up happening is is you start to get too comfortable and show people too much of yourself yeah and start to share too much even if it's well intentioned it's like like i think in your mind you're thinking i'm sharing this with a room of people that i uh, uh, all of whom i trust or i am close with and i would feel comfortable saying this to right. them one on one right when in reality you're basically saying it to a crowd of several thousand people sure. potentially. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, if yeah. you if you say something and something in that ups, upsets someone's moral uh you know more uh, lines of decency and they're the type of person who is apt to get engaged in that type of stuff and apt to not be as uh 
dissuaded by social contracts and personal boundaries, those yeah. weird things, mm-hmm. they will jump in and get involved. And then I, I heard a really good metaphor, which is like, it's like everybody's got a rock and there's a giant window. And as soon as one person throws a rock at a window, it kind of clears it for everybody else to be like, yeah, <laughs> let's throw some rocks at the window yeah. real quick. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like I started seeing, I started seeing more and more of that and became less and less interested in making myself a target, mm-hmm. you know? And when you give people a lot of opinions and you share your ideas as well thought out as they may be, someone's going to take issue with it or they're, you know, best case scenario, someone's going to want to have a lengthy conversation <laughs> that's going to yeah. take up most of your day. Yeah, yeah, they could, they could, yeah, they could be so much more caught up in that issue than you are, and come at you right. so much harder than you would expect. Or you know, they've had so many interactions with other people saying a similar thing that now you are just another person that they right. that they know that they hate and disagree with even though they don't know you you and shared then, it. and then you'll you let something right and, and then you will let a person that you might not even know you'll let a person from the internet an angry person from the internet occupy your brain right. all day yeah yeah it's it, yeah that was the thing i was saying with sam and other comics that are friends you know or any friends you know that that have right. have gotten on the other side of that when they try to tell you, yeah, it's not worth it. It's Mm-mm. it's nice to hear because it yeah, amounts to nothing. It's yeah, it's irrational and emotional or whatever to uh, to have that kind of desire to not let a right. person that you know is wrong or ill informed or whatever get away with right. You know, making fun of you or whatever. You know, right. it can feel so much more important than it is. Um, especially be, because we are online a lot, trying to interact with people in a good way. And it can feel, I don't know, you know, the white knights can, yeah, some of that probably comes from a desire to counterbalance some, uh, you know, some of the hate and negativity right. online. But you can't. You but the type c- you can't of people in that way, right. you know, you can't. Uh, the type of people who are going to feel compelled to, oh, that's, that's probably me. Um, the type of people who are going to be compelled to get involved in those conversations in the first place are going to have more steam than you. Mm -hmm. You know, you who has a more level-headed stake in the conversation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or or if, yeah, if you're not a single issue kind of person. Right. Like some of these people can. They can be. be. That's the hill they they are down to die on. Right. And they have more steam to fight with you. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. And it's, it's, and, and, and this, and this comes up a lot and I hear it come up so much on, in so many other conversations, but it's just like, it is like the world that we are steeped in right now. And it's mm-hmm. just crazy shit. Hey, uh, why don't we take a quick break? Um, take a leak, get some water. Uh, we'll come back. And, uh, man, I want to talk. I have a few things I want to talk about. I want to talk more about comedy, obviously, and some thoughts I have about it. But I also, I want to talk about what your life has been like since you uh, you decided to 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 swear off the booze, man. Yeah, yeah, sure. I think we should talk about that a little bit. So let's um, yeah, let's take a break, and we'll be right back.
And right after the mics go off, what do we both do? Phone. Phone time. <laughs> I had a really phone fun time on the podcast. It was it was great. Hey, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. First and foremost, our most venerable nay, venereal sponsor, Matula Plumbing. Matula! Shit rolls downhill. Don't be at the bottom. Your number two is our number one priority. Your shit is our bread and butter. Angie's List. Super Service Award winner back in 2011. 1-1 is the only one that matters. After that, it got all political. Uh, he'll wear the booties for you because it's what the customer wants. Master of Poopers himself, Jerry Matula. If you're in the Chicago area, see Jerry Matula for all your plumbing needs. Flipside Music. Hey, uh, you might have caught our last episode with um, Ike from Flipside. That was a really fun episode. Uh, we heard from a few people that was their, it was their favorite one in a while. Ike's a really fun guy to talk to, and, uh, man, he really gives a shit about music. Um, he really gives a shit about quality instruments and pedals and amplifiers. And, um, and uh, I learned so much about the way they do business over there. And uh, he, he definitely has a place in my heart. Uh, thanks to coming on this show. Um, check it out. Flipside Music, the largest selection of effects pedals in the region, we found out. Yeah, they oh. have the largest selection of pedals in the, in the region. That's that's a real statistic, I think. <laughs> Sounds real. It might just be from the flip side people. Ike, I mean. He is one of the he is the flip side person. And he told me that. So yeah, it was from the flip side people. But go check them out. They're amazing. Down there on the rock block on South Acoma with blackout screen printing in the keep. Uh, a one stop shop for many, not all, but many of your needs for the rock and roll um, constructionist. <laughs> uh, Mutiny Information Cafe to South Broadway in the heart of Denver. Uh, records, books, coffee, live events, podcasts. You do a bunch of stuff with Mutiny, don't you? Oh, yeah. Love it down there. Yeah, man. It's great. I, Sam and I want to do a podcast together. and That would be so good. Yeah, yeah. We that want, would be so good. We want to make it work. We got to try to make that work maybe in the new year. And, uh, yeah, it, it'll either be... Write it on your vision board. I know. Yeah, I got to <laughs> get it on there. Got to gotta get that thing finished before January 1st. Um, but, yeah, we'll either be... We might be at Mutiny, but uh, Comedy Works is trying to do podcasts now. So we That's might great. try to make that work. But either way, Mutiny rules. And it's uh, a great yeah, place. Love everybody down there. This is, of course, a Mutiny transmission, uh, which is a media service division of... Mutiny Information Cafe. I was just in there the other day. It's really amazing how everything helps everything grow in that place. Like the coffee shop helps the comic shop thrive, and the sure. comic shop helps the media service thrive, and the media service helps the live events thrive. And they just kind of like everything. They ju it's just this this growing like self-sustaining life form that that is just growing and growing and uh we are honored to be friends of uh of mutiny information cafe and we're honored to be a mutiny transmission uh drop by get a cup of coffee get some records and tell them the boys sent you evergroove studio singular in the black mountain region of evergreen colorado um, state-of-the-art recording studio, really an amazing place. 70% solar-powered. Sorry. 
that doesn't have the same punch as I've done it every week just going solar powered. And I kind of wish that Brad hadn't told me that it's 70% solar powered. It kind of takes the punch out of it. Anyway, so we're just going to go with solar powered from now on. But but uh, yeah, make sure you check out the episode with Brad and Ethan from Evergroove Studio, uh, episode number 80, I believe. Um, man, it's just a, it's a great place to go work on a project. And uh, we're going to be going back up there in February with so far, we've got like 20 demos we're working on. Um, so we've got a bunch of new stuff that we're going to go up and rock out. Evergroove.com. Check them out. Uh, let's see. Who else? Who else? Who else? Um, oh, thenugnation.com. This uh, podcast and a bunch of other amazing content come out of the Nug Nation studios here in Denver, Colorado, at an undisclosed location in Rhino. Um, go to thenugnation.com, see episodes of Potty Talk with Bong Burgundy. Uh, uh, the new episode coming out is um, Bong Burgundy's interview with Ritz, uh, the, the famous ginger rapper. Um, man, what a cool guy. Really fun to sit down and tell jokes and talk with him. Uh, shout out to Ritz. Keep your eyes out for that. Check out the video we did for Billy Ray Cyrus. Check out some of the uh, the, the serialized episodes that we've done and that we write here in the studio. And um, stay tuned for a bunch of really cool stuff coming out of the Nug Nation in 2020. Rocket Space Rehearsal Studios, 2712 Larimer, right next to the Larimer Lounge in Rhino. Hourly, um, fully f- equipped rehearsal studios. Uh, Rocket Space, you ain't got to carry shit. If you need to go practice, go in and, um, and get some time in. Whether you're a full band getting ready for a gig or you're just uh, an, an individual looking to build up your chops, they have, they have every size and every price for any type of musician at any level. It's really a cool place. And it's just a great place to go network and um, meet up with some people. Our patrons, our goddamn patrons, the amazing, beautiful, wonderful people who back us via a small monthly contribution on patreon.com slash mfruckus. You guys make the world go round. Have you ever done anything with Patreon at all? Uh, uh, No, I haven't. Uh, It's pretty cool, definitely. Uh, I'm hoping that if Sam and I start a podcast, we would try to... Do some stuff on uh, you got, Patreon. You, you guys let me know, and I will definitely back you guys on Patreon. Oh, thank you. Yeah, man. It, it's amazing how a chunk of money every month or every time you make something can be the difference between making it or not making it. And yeah. we are so, so, so grateful to everyone who backs us on Patreon and helps us make this happen. Uh, you help us make the comic, the motion comic, go to the studio, fly Tony in and out for gigs. And in exchange, we just give you guys everything that we can possibly think of to give you. Stay tuned. Starting in 2020, we are going to start exclusively releasing demos on the Patreon page. Uh, We're also talking about possibly sharing project files of the demos so that if you happen to want to dissect one of our songs or remix it or do something with it, at least one of the demos, you can go in and uh, We'll make it kind of an open source fun thing. We'll see if people actually are interested in that. But at the very least, we're going to be dropping you guys a demo every month starting in 2020. So stay tuned for that. Anyway, again, I'm here with my man, Nathan Lund. We're talking about comedy. We're talking about being in a punk rock band. We're talking about, hey, actually, I had I had an epiphany once that like comedy is truly the new punk rock. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
Like there's yeah. there's this like underground cult following of it, and it's just like it's the place to like go and say outrageous stuff on stage for you know a handful of like rowdy drunks, and there's like a lot of talk about a scene. It's like it's like we need more support in the scene, or we need fewer right. haters in the scene, or there's a lot of conflict in the scene. Like there's a lot of talk yeah. about that, and then there's like like an independent underground touring circuit sure. that goes with it. There's a bunch of posers. A bunch of posers. Claiming that they're <laughs> a lot cooler and funnier and, and more punk or, there's or like more different, of a comic than right. others. Yeah, even though they're full of shit. Yeah, there's like different uh, sub-genres of, of comedy. Right. Yeah. And, and then there's like comedy 103.1. What I love about that station, I don't know if they still do it because I haven't listened in a while because I can actually hook my phone to my stereo now right, so I can yeah. listen to whatever I want. But when, when I was listening to it, what I liked about it was that they encouraged you to send in recordings. Yeah. They're like, they're like if, you, if you have a recording of one of your sets, send it on in. And right. if I like it, I'll put it on the air. Mm-hmm. You know, And not only that... They promote festivals that promote, you know, artists like they like High Plains Comedy is kind of a is is kind of a big deal now. It's starting to emerge as like kind of a big festival and the comedy channel totally promotes the shit out of that, you know, and they get involved in it. But not only that, they put on artists that present like the only criteria is that it's funny. So you get David Cross. Right before Larry the Cable Guy, right before fucking, um, you know, Eugene Merman, and then Jeff Foxworthy, and, yeah. you know, Nick DiPaolo, and then Brian Pussain, you know, like they, and then Adam Caton Holland, and Ben Roy, and, and they present this, like, mix of opinions, they, right. you know, and, and mix of perspectives without really censoring anyone. You know, they edit for profanity and things like that, but they really they really don't cut anybody for perspective. Sure, yeah. And I, th- I think that's very cool, and I think it's very punk rock. Yeah, well, yeah, it's crazy to think that there's specific types of music, radio stations, and then one for comedy. Right. To, to try to cover all of the different styles over the decades and amongst, like you're saying, different types of comics – Man, woman, you know, black and white. Uh, yeah, it's all over the place. And yeah, I think the the fact that a lot of people just want whatever is funny, right, m- makes it work better, right. You know, not everybody likes every comic, but if you have a great selection of some of the best jokes from across a, a broad spectrum, right. then yeah, I think that's the move with, uh, yeah, with one station. I, I heard a, a, a metaphor for, or an analogy for comedy, a, a musical analogy for comedy that I really like is that comedy is less of a genre and it is more of a mode. Hmm. A horror movie can have comedic elements to it. Yeah, a um, a drama can have a lot of of comedies in it. You know, er, 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 that there are of course movies that are more strictly comedies, but we have seen a decline in 
just straight comedy movies. Right. Like yeah. movies that are designed just to be comedies. Mm -hmm. Like generally most of the comedy we see is in other quote unquote genres. So like you talk about like a mode like in music, like, you know, um, which is just like modes of, of scales and things like that, you know, like uh, okay. like Dorian, yeah. Ionic, you know, Mixolydian, things like that, like blues, minor, major, those type of things. Like they're all notes that exist within the scale, but these particular – this particular configuration of notes creates this type of mode. Yeah. And so comet like I heard this description of like comedy is this is this mode that can exist – in really any type of situation. You know, you have comedy news, you have comedy, yeah. comedy horror, comedy dramas, comedy, you know, like there's comedic moments in something like Game of Thrones. Right. You know what I mean? There's comedic moments in the, the like Marvel yeah. universe movies yeah. sure. are just like loaded with like slapstick and, and groaners and yeah. fucking and jokes. You know what I mean? Right. But yeah. they would be classified as like, an action adventure comic mm -hmm. book film, something like that. Right. Yeah. It's uh, per pervasive and uh, malleable, and there's yeah, there's all different ways to go to go at it, and like plastics. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> comedy is we like, and we should move away from comedy and plastics <laughs> onto something else. We are going to move away from the use of single single use comedy. Let's get real by 2020. Yeah. And yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sing single use comedy will be outlawed in the United States. We're gonna put all the plastic and most of the comedy onto a big barge, <laughs> and we're gonna send it west across the Pacific and be done with it. For fortunately, it is nice to see so many people recycling comedy. You know, well, yeah. I, I feel like th I feel like that's yeah. important. You know, <laughs> waste not, want not, reduce, reuse, yeah. recycle. Right. Yeah. Reduce. <laughs> it sounds good. <laughs> be less funny. Okay, so be less funny. So fewer jokes. Uh, reuse. So reuse people's jokes. And then take people's jokes and turn them into other versions of that joke. Yeah, yeah. It sounds yeah. It sounds like the responsible thing to do. Like take a joke <laughs> about your dick and transform it into a joke about your mother-in-law. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's uh, yeah a little too formulaic sometimes <laughs> to to go down to the plant and see how how some of these people operate. <laughs> Going down to the plant, the joke recycling plant. Well, yeah, yeah. It's more and more. It seems like it's Twitter. You know, people are trying to. Or it was funny to see a couple instances of like somebody like the the Twitter verse trying to call somebody out for stealing. Memes. Memes. Right. I was just going to ask you about that. Well, yeah, it's funny because, God, we comics tried to raise a fuss 10 year, 20 years ago when, you know, people started doing it. But especially 10 years, you know, ago or in the last 10 years, you've had, like we were saying earlier, there's people who are getting famous for creating content and there's companies that have gotten or in trouble curating for content. curating yeah which right. is stealing when they don't attribute the creator yeah like a a cultural meme by definition yeah. is a self-replicating packet of information right. that moves through a society right and yeah. memes if we've come to understand them are just like literal assemblages of data which represent that idea like we understand what a meme is in in the facebook twitter instagram world but mm -hmm. those things are literally examples of self-replicating packets of information that that move through a society right yeah do you think it's realistic for 
ideas like that that are transmitted so ubiquitously and so quickly? Do you think it's realistic to only ascribe credit to the creator? Does that mean we are going to see the end of comedy as a as an individualized art form, or is it going to be replaced by just like these self-replicating jokes that kind of move throughout a society? I I wish that we would have been better about it earlier on. Okay, set a standard or something when it was right less uh, ubiquitous and smaller you know before it ramped up and and exponentially right. has 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 grown what do you think could have been done there could have just been quicker action on some of these content creators or sites to be like hey where did you get that from right because there was a source every time you right. know and and maybe the early companies created their own stuff more often than not and so it wasn't the case early on but then at some point successful uh, companies realized it. they didn't have to right. it was ha- hire writers to come up with funny stuff. They could hire people to go to search scour out. the internet, yes, and compile the best. Like I was saying earlier, the best of the best. Like, And I, I, get, I get it from, a, from a, a consumer's perspective where it's tough to know which accounts to follow individual people that are funny, right. comics or otherwise. And so if you have these uh, groups like uh, the Fat Jew and the other one, uh, more recent one that got shit was uh, Fuck Jerry. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They simplify the process, right? So instead of following 100 different accounts on Twitter, you follow both of them and you're seeing some of the best, funniest shit right. that is out there. So I get the appeal. But it just seems shitty when these those companies were – we're really all they're Editing doing is brokering between, the content. Well, they're stealing it. Yeah. And instead of an actual curation would have been just including the Twitter handle. So right. it, it was so simple because this that one comes have, to us from so and so. This know, one they, comes They from were us. just cropping out the Instagram handle or the Twitter handle right. and sharing the funny so that they didn't have to get into the the weeds of do, how much do we owe them money right and maybe and that's that isn't you know that's more than is feasible is every time a, a a site shared a tweet they owed the the person money but if the exchange is there where you know those sites guarantee that if if they share some of your stuff you're going to get a bunch of followers right then maybe that is right and they're going to benefit from getting the followers from sharing other people's content yeah i mean it's right. like and now at the same time it's like it's like america's funniest home videos on steroids yeah you know yeah. just basically but I mean, even they gave out prizes once in a That's while. That's what I'm saying, right? You know, so there was the the idea, or then that, and that was people sending in their stuff, right? To for the, that specifically, but something like so, something like memes, as we know them, like something like social media comedy memes, are something that we've never come across before. Yeah. You know, the ability to just like take a picture and a little bit of text, sometimes not even any text. And it communicates a joke to people in like one one still or, or one gif or something like that. Like the ability to be able to do that is something that we've never in, never encountered before. Mm-hmm. So going forward, now that so many of these quote unquote curators have been busted and 
and have faced retribution for stealing other people's stuff, where does it go from here? Is it just yeah. sharing around into pe- independent people's stuff with their Twitter handle on it or the Instagram? Like, is that all you can do? Or, like, what are some of the things that, that comics talk about with relation to that? Um, it is tough because ideally you would have people separate a meme from a joke, you know, like where a meme right. would be shared and open source manipulated, changed. Like the thing that people are calling out Twitter users for is changing, you know, seeing a, a post and then changing it like the details to right. be, you know, to be something else, either specific to them or just another thing. Like so copying like, and pasting somebody yeah. else's stuff Well, yeah. and then making small changes to it and sharing it around. Well, yeah. So... Yeah, if you so the the thing I'm thinking of was a post where a guy a Twitter account had showed a conversation with him and his uh, dad on a plane where somebody uh, where like a flight attendant asks for a doctor and the dad says to the right I know son he's not asking not for a DJ is yes he? so yes so it started with I don't even know what it would have started with but it started with a certain profession architect or whatever it was creative writer you know right and it's a dad making fun of a kid for having a shitty profession you know right um, and so yeah when other accounts have changed it to something else and that goes viral some of the replies are just you know whatever they whatever template they, right. they saw first right whatever they think the original is or maybe it's like it is people the original. Fi- it's like people f- um filling in the blanks on the yelling cat lady thing right you know it's like so yeah that right that is tougher especially if i don't know like is there if, a, there's no way i mean there's really no way to regulate that is there i don't know that there would be because if it, it used to be like we were saying if you had if you're creating content, it was because you were a comic or a musician or an actor or a journalist right. and you wanted to engage with people and, and with the idea that you were creating original stuff and then, uh, you know, hoping that people would follow you and, and just be attracted to your sense of humor. Right. And as a and comic, then, you, have, you have limited ability to secure your intellectual property in the same way. Yeah, there would be more of, a, of an of a starting point for a joke that you tweeted and people shared it if it were that simple or whatever. But it's not because you have people, comics, uh, you know, people share other things that they think are funny. And and that's organic because you are trying to help the the other person get get their humor seen. And it's like, this is what I think is funny as well. Mm -hmm. So that is not as complicated. But then when there's people who aren't pursuing you know a creative career but they're profiting but from they're big time on but they have a bunch of followers on twitter because they retweet a lot of funny stuff and, and then they maybe get the benefits they, of it and they get the benefits but there's not the same like what they don't they, they just don't reshare do a podcast the they don't so i don't get how i mean but but they can monetize their right. followers and be influencers or whatever and yeah i don't get uh how they can be able to share other people's stuff without the credit and they 
That's like being a record the, executive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you recognize things that are good. And then you bring, you have. But, that, but that's somehow marketable. Yeah. yeah you, your taste, you're a tastemaker or something. Right. But not really. You're just, yeah, you're just kind of participating. You're just collecting other people's ideas and sharing them around. Yeah. And yeah, and, and, and it's also tough, like I was, I was going to try and say, if you're not a comic or a web designer or an animator, but you see things that are viral and there's a formula to the, you know, or a pacing or, you know, like I say, a setup or, you know, and you change it and you share that people love that as well. Uh, is that, yeah, is it okay? I don't know. I mean, it, it doesn't feel as bad because the original person wasn't right. sharing. They couldn't have been sharing the meme to get eyeballs on anything. Because you'll see sometimes people will say, whoa, this blew up. I don't have anything to promote. And it's so that's you okay. Know, okay. You see so that, here's, and it's like here's okay. kind of the way I here's kind of the way I I'm I'm seeing that just initially is first of all I also see that the creator made the choice to put their IP we'll just call it what it is I mean their intellectual property something that they created something that hatched out of their brain mm-hmm. and they shared it onto a platform with the knowledge of how that platform operates. Yeah. They, you know, they didn't take all their jokes and stash them behind a paywall on a website. Sure. Which a lot of people are doing now. Yeah. You know, not necessarily in the comedy world, but in the, you know, public intellectual world, you know, or in the, in the content creator world. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff where like the most... The, the, the content that people are seeking out, they're putting it behind a paywall. You see that a lot with like educational stuff. Mm-hmm. But the comedian, the comic, the writer, the author, put that out there into that, that democratized free market where the, the only limit is your reach. You know what I mean? But yeah. if, you, if you can get it to the right amount of people, it can get there. There, there is no guarantee going in. Okay, so and, and I think that a reasonable person could assume that if they threw a joke out into the world, that they surrender their ownership to it necessarily, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. No, that is part of the argument, yeah, is that you put it out here, right. you can't control what happens once you and share it, is, it with everybody, potentially and it is a thought. everybody. It is a thought and an observation. You know, it's like if you, let's say Isaac Newton were around today, okay? And if Isaac Newton just started putting ideas on Twitter, theories on Twitter, formulas on Twitter, and then some other scientist or some other just random layperson repeated the same stuff that he said, it's like, does... Does Isaac Newton own the rights to that observation? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's and it's tough because he, I he feel deserve, like he deserves credit if it's if it's definite that. But does that but he was the first? Do know? we even do we even have the power to control ideas and perspectives, literal memes moving through society as internet memes? Yeah, like, do we have any control over that? Or, and if you figure out a way to brand yourself on it, does it take away from the joke? 
Like I've seen what people, like some people are doing now is they're putting out what most famous example is world star fucking hip hop videos. Yeah. You know, they put out just a video of some people fighting mm-hmm. and they put their little logo on it and they send it out and they become curious. Like, does the person who got in the fight or the person <laughs> who recorded the fight yeah. own rights to yeah. that content? Sure. You know what it's mean. It, you know what I mean. And it's like, on one hand, as a creator, I feel like I should be better compensated for my intellectual property, for my output, for my yeah. creation. And I can, I can set up a subscription on our website. Mm-hmm. I could leave Facebook. I could leave Twitter. I could leave Instagram. I could leave all those platforms and only play shows and only have a Patreon. Mm -hmm. I could do that if I wanted to, but I don't because I want people to have access to the stuff that I have. And so I, I, I pay a price for that and it may not be fair, but it's also, it's also kind of like you ask if that's okay. I mean, it kind of has to be okay. Because that's the way that it's, it, it's kind of the way that it is, is, yeah. you know, like you made reference to the, the joke of the, the fill in the blanks on, they're not asking for a blank, are they? Right. You know, maybe you should go up and offer to blank, you know, that, that whole thing. That joke is going to be on its way out in the next couple of days. And it yeah. came out and it, be, it kind of flared up in this, as this thing, as this social meme that, um, that we got to observe. It's like the, should the person who first assembled the, is this dress gold or green meme? Do you remember that one? Or there was the discussion for like a week of like, what color is the dress? That thing. Yeah. Does the person who assembled that deserve credit for assembling that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I mean, sure. Yeah. I think part of the problem is that the line is blurred between performer, entertainer and, social media user, you know, like we were saying, you can, you can focus on, uh, creating or sharing stuff on, on Twitter and become famous or viral, whatever, uh, turn it into a, a thing where you're getting something, you know, either, either money or endorsement deals, whatever. Or um, like on your billing at the Comedy Works, it's like yeah, Nathan yeah. Lund, creator of the da 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 meme. You know, like oh yeah, that would be funny. <laughs> that, that's the guy. That's the guy who made the the Yelly Lady Cat meme. Right. You know, like <laughs> yeah. Wow, I'm gonna go see his performance. You know, um, that's a good meme. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So uh, yeah, it's it's definitely very complicated to try to figure out how it should work. Like right. if, if we st- even started with that, how should it work? I don't know, but it, little things can feel right or wrong. And one of the things that feels right is definitely giving credit where credit's due to a tweet. If you, if that's how you came across it is that there was a, a tweet and you thought it was funny and you work for a company that shares funny stuff, you give them the credit. Well, if your buddy tells you a good joke, handle. you should give him props for it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be like, oh, my buddy told me this great joke. Or yeah. you should have heard this really funny thing that so-and-so said. Like, yeah, no, yeah. That is, a, yeah. That is what is right. I agree mm-hmm. with you that that is what is right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree, and I think we both agree, that it is shady and shitty and unfair that there are people who are making a living off of creatives by distributing 
other people's ideas. Right. And that's a lot of what's going on on the internet is like, we created the technology or the platform or we created, we facilitated people transmitting these ideas and so we own own these ideas. Or we are, re- we have a good sense of humor so we can go and, you know, gather up a bunch of other people's you know, funny comments, we can gather up a bunch of, uh, of things that people said, and we can distribute them and make all the money for it. You know, I, I agree with you 100% on that. It could, yeah, it could have been, like I say, the, it could have been easier to establish something that, that was right earlier on. Right. But, but you know, it, 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 it was move, everything moves quickly and, you know, with fucking whatever free market, you can say that, you know, anybody could start a company that curated and shared stuff, but you didn't, you know? What are the options uh, for comics, by the way? I don't know. I, like, like I, I mean, what are the options for you in terms of monetizing your ideas? Mm-hmm. Like... Like, is it what it's what creating content and playing gigs? Right. So, yeah, you when I when I think of someone who is online to to push people to become a part of a fan base, it's mostly for live entertainers. Right. Um, or content creators like uh, getting on an email list to know about a new a movie or a short film that you made. Right. Um, yeah. You're driving people. You're getting as much out there as you can in the hopes that people see whatever you're making, like it, and then do something further than that. Right. Right. Because anybody who stops at famous on Instagram, famous on Twitter, I don't know what they're doing. Right. To except for maybe getting sponsored tweet. Like if you have a certain amount of followers, you can get paid by companies to tweet about products. Oh, yes. And so you monetize. We've made Instagram content here. Yeah. For influencers. Right. I showed up here one day to do a podcast and Mikey was in there editing an Instagram post. Mm. Like went to a location yeah. Shot with professional cameras, something that is supposed to be, at least I thought, you know, and, and, and I abuse this line too, so, you know, I'm, I'm one to talk, but, you know, I thought that it was supposed to be, it's like, the one thing that, that, that we all have in common on this platform is we all have a camera in our pocket, and this is a way for us to share the stuff that we've made with the television studio in our pocket and transmit that to the world. But these, like, influencers, like, they have professional camera crews come and shoot and get proper sound and proper lighting and they have scripts for for 60 second videos yeah you know what i mean they have a guy who comes in you know off the clock working you know as as a side hustle editing the post that you're going to put up that's 60 seconds long and is just designed to get eyeballs and likes up sure you know what i mean yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a fucking trip. It's, it's been, yeah, it's been, everything has been monetized and exploited as much as possible, typically pretty much across the board. Right. And it sucks, you know. I wish that it wasn't so, well, like, I, I wish you that, know, big. I wish it wasn't all so lofty and far-reaching, especially now with so many um, big corporations merging and buying each other so that you know even though there's still all these different right. brand names 
there's st- there's fewer and fewer people at the top. Seeing running, Homer running Simpson in a Iron Man yeah. costume under a Disney logo right. really twisted my brain out. Yeah, it's yeah, it's incredible. You know that Disney Plus shit. Scary. It's like my and feeling. ESPN is in there too. Yeah. So. so my feeling on that is I'm excited because I do love when. Look, I think one of the things that the music business is missing is the money. Yeah. Like in the 60s and 70s and 80s and even the 90s, people were dumping so much money into production that some of the best albums in the world got made. Like the guys from Led Zeppelin are rich, insane people. You know, or they became rich, insane people. You know, yeah. they all had that that seed of well, not all of them, but they, uh, yeah, probably all of them had that seed <laughs> of egoic narcissism. You know, and but then somebody gave them a shitload of money and like watered their creativity, and they were able to create these just gigantic albums. You know, mm-hmm. like I kind of like it when. Cool things have a shit ton of resources. Yeah. To like Game of Thrones. I thought Game of Thrones was awesome. I enjoyed it. I'm glad that there was a whole shitload of money that got dumped into making it. Yeah. You know, you see you see a, a movie franchise that you really love, and you can tell when it was quote unquote low budget. And sometimes low budget is charming and fun and cool, but sometimes gigantic budget is fucking amazing. Right. Dude. Yeah. Terminator two was one of my favorite goddamn movies. Yeah, it's yeah, it's really good. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking amazing, right? Yeah. So when I look at this Disney Plus thing is I'm like, I just hope that they listen to the people in their camp who know when something has gotten cheesy and shitty. I wish. You know what I mean? Like I, I think that's the problem is that there's not that. Right. There's the bigger it gets, the less likely little passionate creative types are listened to right. because there's too much money at stake uh, to trust to gamble when it comes to some right. of the niche creatives that have that have been successful. Right. They're not as they're not trusted as much at that level because right. you're they're listening to fucking board members and f- you know number crunchers maybe right. but the head of the number crunching you know right and they're looking and the they're looking at it and going yeah and business women that are cutthroat they want to they have to make as much money as possible so they take less risks and yeah the quality will come down until you know that that head or top person gets let go and then whoever comes in new, maybe f- they realize they need right. something fresh. They need somebody, you know, or they play it safe, and, right. and that can pay off too. Um, I do. Yeah, I just I, I look at like the like people are crapping their pants over the Mandalorian, right? Yeah, and I think it's really cool that a giant like Disney is coming and gone. We're going to take all this stuff that you love, and we are going to dump. All of Disney's resources into it. Just, it's yeah. no longer just family friendly cartoon movies. Yeah. You know, it's no longer just Disneyland. We are going to, <laughs> we're going to pour ourselves, like, like, and it's all just business. But then there's the flip side of that where it's like, you look at something like Marvel 
And they have to keep, you know, the, the companies that keep making the movies and doing the reboots, even when they're shitty, they're doing that because they want to keep their license. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're like, this is a multi-billion dollar piece of property. We're not going to let this go. We're going to ride this fucker into the ground. Yeah. And so they they dump the money in, but they mostly just do it to, like, maintain their investment. Mm-hmm. And when it gets to that point, it gets shitty. But that being said, I'm excited to see what they turn out. Yeah. You know, I want to see – I want to see – really cool ideas come to life and, and things that I love get like every resource they need. Now at the same time, I would love to have like a thousandth of the budget of one of those movies or television shows just to yeah. make my little rock and roll records and comics and shit like that. I would, I, I'm hoping that with the way that online monetization is going that that a day will come where we will have more access to the pool yeah you know we're t- the the political thing the social socioeconomic discussion right now is trying to redistribute wealth right because it's so so disproportionate right. and weird and we let it get this far under the guise of a free market but now that we know more and more about the intricacies of you know of you know who got us to where we are and how insidious it's been you know right. and how it's not sustainable obviously like we can't just keep saying yeah it balance, market balances itself out because it hasn't. Doesn't. Do you know anything about the um the 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 Borgen Group or whatever they're called? I I think the guy's name is like Hans Borgen or something like that. Anyway, it's this. I'm not sure. It's this group. In Denmark, which is like a group of like something like 22 economists or something like that. And I'm probably yeah. butchering this and I can look it up and send you the links later. But yeah. basically what it is, is it's a group of economists from different backgrounds and, and different perspectives that got together and they formed a think tank and they rated the they, – they, they assembled a list of the top problems on earth – yeah, and the top, uh, basically a list of course of actions, like things that they need to go, uh, it, it, with the intention of be, trying to get global governments to go. Here are the biggest problems we have right now. Here's how we can move the needle on them. This is the way we need right. to proceed. The qu- yeah, the quickest. And one, unfortunately, one of the, the the biggest things holding them up is they get a ton of blowback from people who are not seeing their ideology served. Mm-hmm. in the right place in the list and are getting upset and saying, this oh, okay. is a bigger problem. But yeah. th- as far as I'm concerned, a group of of learned individuals getting together and like actually attempting to make an effort seems like very promising to me. Mm-hmm. But what they consider the number one issue in the world in terms of just like how much it's – how the gravity of its impact is global poverty. Yeah. So, you know, the UN is like predicting that we're going to get out of abject poverty and, you know, by 2030, like it, think, things actually look pretty optimistic in that regard. But I am hopeful that the change in like, redi- the, like the redistribution of wealth, the like maximum benefit I can think of of the like redistribution of wealth thing is ending world poverty and seeing how that impacts 
global prosperity for our species. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? You, you know what I mean? Like, I get that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I try to uh, read about all of the current issues, you know, across the board to, to not feel completely in the dark, you know, right. ab- about big things abroad and here it's hard, you know, and it's, it's tough to, uh, not get just feel, to feel exhausted and scared or angry. Right. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like that, that feels like the most important thing to start with because, uh, it's the, the beginning of so many resultant problems right you know, the the trickle down it has to start with i don't have enough money for, for there wouldn't be war x y and z there and so right and so we go right. to war or we kill people yeah. or we steal food or or we uh we squabble over resources like there is some sort of lack and and keep in mind you and i are in the top two percent globally yeah you know we are in the top two percent globally and we're even talking about Man, we need to figure out a way that we can we can get some of what's circulating around in this economy for what we do. We do provide mm-hmm. a value in something like we're we're trying to figure out a way that we can benefit from that as well. But we're in the top two percent worldwide. The the people in the bottom ninety eight percent around the world are really experiencing, you know the the detriments of having that that wealth so poorly distributed and it's yeah. leading to so many of the world's problems you know with regard to health and sanitation and mm-hmm. war and and uh and political unrest and uh regi- regime change wars especially yeah. you know from like governments not being able to feed their people and then collapsing and then sure. mil- you know it the just leads to authoritarian right. governments that promise order right and yeah and food right right, as opposed to yeah and then the people are so desperate that they uh, that they will vote for the you know the fascism to come in and right exactly and and not follow through on anything yeah it is uh sure yeah and god it just it sucks that there's so many people that uh are fighting so hard to keep things as shitty as they are you know there's yeah there's not that uh you know one mindset you know or you know you can't have logical discussions when some of the people are playing with you know specific well rules. it trig- it triggers that part of our ba- uh, our brain associated with feelings of scarcity and how it is linked to our survival mm-hmm. you know it's like it's like oh well they're going to come in and they're going to tax you and they're going to give that money to a bunch of foreign interests or they're yeah. going to give it they're going to give it to a bunch of commies or they're going to give it to a bunch of a bunch of brown people in other right, countries yeah, and da, 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 they're going to yeah exactly savages man. and they're they're going to they're going to do these things or they're going to give it to drug addicts and but mm-hmm. take away your ability to be able to house and clothe and feed yourself and your family, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it, it's totally like designed to play on that, 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 that feel that survival instinct that kicks in. Right. Yeah. 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 The, the idea you, you hear so many people that will still just, you know, they'll justify all kinds of shitty thinking with, I have to think about my family. Right. It's like, oh, your family of four. That's the only people you have to worry about? Well, that's right. fucking, you're lucky, you know? Because if you had 
less. When was the last time you shit in a toilet? Yeah. That's what I'd like to know. Oh, okay. Uh, there are some people with like families of six who have never even heard of a condom. No they don't know what no it con- is. Yeah. <laughs> and they've no never. No toilet, no condom. Yeah, no toilet, no condoms, no, no toilets dis- to flush their condoms no, down. No Disney. Have you seen. Yeah, right. Have you seen. Um, <laughs> You know, it's like the, the, our biggest problem is like it's like fuck my Wi-Fi is kind of spotty. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. You can you can get caught up in in your, day, your own. typical day to day, and then everything else feels yeah either just separate or yeah you you don't know we take things for granted pretty easily yeah. uh, until you don't and. Uh, I think a lot of people n- realize they should do more for others, and, and but instead of feeling, you know, they feel bad and they know they should do diff- something different, but instead of doing the something different and feeling good, they just ignore it, right. you know, because it sucks to feel bad at all, you know, and if you can avoid it, some people do. And you many know, people, many people are starring in their own reality show. Yeah. Called my struggle, yeah. And just every day, it's just like this is my struggle. This is how this is how I get by in life. This is like what I have to do mm-hmm. to survive yeah. on the streets. To provide <laughs> for my family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 that goes along with uh, yeah with not wanting with not wanting to pay taxes right because you don't not because you know that they most of it goes to defense you know and bullshit contracts well we get a lot of that in colorado especially because yeah. we have tabor laws yeah you know about the tabor law thing right yeah i was where, reading about it just when we had to vote yeah on the, we're basically that. everyone like anytime we want to re- redistribute taxes for anything anytime we want to make any changes in taxes everybody's got to vote on it yeah and so it makes it easier for for shifty, sneaky people to go in and muddy the waters around certain issues mm-hmm. without clarifying that it's like, like we have, we have one of the fastest growing in Colorado. We have the fastest growing economy in the United States. We're one of the fastest growing economies in the United States. Mm-hmm. And yet we are still down towards the bottom in education and in transportation. Yeah. Because any time, oh yeah, when we're supposed to vote, well, and all that weed money, increase, yeah, all that weed money is just getting redistributed to already wealthy people. They're already they're getting redistributed to like corporate interests and things like that, yeah. rather than that tax money being like we were told. All oh, the streets are going to be paved with gold, and <laughs> yeah. every kid's going to have their own the Harvard trained professor. You know what I mean? Like we were kind of led to believe that. Yeah. But because of things like Tabor laws, we're unable to put that money where we we agreed initially we wanted it to go. Because it gets every time a tax hike comes up, it gets put before the voters, and people go, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, you're not taking my money." Yeah, it's like, no, no, no. We're talking about taking some of the money that's already there and putting it into these other things, right? You know. So before we run out of time, one one thing I wanted to ask you about: I really want to know what what led you to what led you to decide to quit drinking and how it's affected your life. Oh, sure. Yeah, I like to talk about If you can break that, that down in 10 minutes. I can. Yeah, I, I, t- I tried to talk about it a lot on One on Lund on my podcast. Oh, cool. Because I thought that 
you know, that was something I wanted to get out there. Right. I drank for a long time and for the most part had fun and and enjoyed it. And then, yeah, I got to a point where it just wasn't as enjoyable. Right. And I think a lot of us get there and we struggle with what to do uh, because it's pretty pervasive. I've heard that a, lo- uh, a lot of young people don't drink as much, which I've heard that is too. cool because they could lead to it being less. I mean, it already is less. Per- it it has gone out of fashion a or lot. less. Right. It, yeah. It's not. It's not as. Are you, you the, the 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 on a personal level? I think everybody knows more people who don't drink than ever before. I would. I would right. guess. You know, it's not as certain that somebody drinks alcohol right so that's cool you know because it's, it can be so destructive that we it should it, just because it's uh, been a part of uh our lives for so long it doesn't mean that we can't be you know also be cautious of it you know well it's linked to identity for a lot of people yeah yeah i never saw yeah. a day that i wouldn't drink mm-hmm. you know i was like i could quit a lot of things but i don't think i'll ever be able to quit drinking i don't think i'll ever stop liking alcohol i said yeah that, you know yeah i remember feeling like it wouldn't it could never happen because I'd always go somewhere that not required drinking, but that where you know that that was yeah that was part of it yeah and and doing comedy, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that are notorious for their drinking in you know across the board in 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 any pub- like if Bert Kreischer form, quit drinking altogether yeah. <laughs> forever. Like, that would be kind of weird because that's part of his... It would, yeah. I don't know if he... I mean, I know he could, yeah. but God, I can't imagine he'd get a bunch of shit from people who, who you know... He'd felt, have to turn feel, down drinks. They'd feel like, betrayed or something, right. you know? And, oh, you were, the, you were one of us! Yeah, it would be Yeah, it would be tough. And, and I thought maybe it would be... I knew it would, would be tough for me. I ended up not going out as much for the first, like, year that I stopped drinking to try to, you know, give myself more of a fighting chance or whatever. So you just were feeling like shit and you just didn't want to do it anymore and you just stopped. I mean, it was a, it, it was a culmination, you know, did it, did of it taper other... off or you just eventually went like, I'm done. I tried to quit or did stop other times, you know, and would either decide to start drinking again or feel compelled, you know, and let it go, let myself off the hook. You know, mm-hmm. it was all of that, you know, promise, uh, promised people I was with that I would stop and then didn't right. or did for a little bit of time and then didn't. And so, God, it was just, you know, and more and more I was feeling like shit because I was getting busier with comedy right. and they, and the drinking went hand in hand with performing. So you're drinking more nights a week cause you're performing more nights a week. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I typically would, would drink most nights anyway, but yeah, yeah. If I was, if I was out more performing, then I was more likely to drink a lot and be hungover, right. and so the days were uh, just useless. You know, a lot of them. I would feel like shit until after the show the next night because I had a couple more, you know, a couple beers in me. Right. So it was like just hungover until getting buzzed again. That's the scariest part too. Is you're like you're telling yourself all day, like, dude, I am done with this. I can't do this. I feel like shit. This is awful. Yeah. And then you have that first drink, and you get that wave of dopamine. Mm-hmm. And you go, and it feels so good, and you have that moment of clarity where you're like, it shouldn't feel that good. (laughs) Yeah. The fact that it feels that good is a bad sign. Oh, well. Right. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's causing you to feel like shit and to feel better. It's it's all screwy. Right, right. And 
tangled, tangled, you know, and, and interconnected. So, what have you what have you noticed in terms of now? Did you did you know your wife before back when you drank? Yeah, she quit. We we met. Uh, we've been together seven years, so we met in twenty twelve. Okay. Um, or we knew each other in twenty eleven. She was working at City O City, and we were doing, or we started doing too much fun, you know, uh, above City O City at the Deer Pile. And so we met, and and she was running the bar, and I was upstairs partying and doing the show every week. And uh, yeah, we both drank a bunch. Uh, I guess I didn't know how much she drank, for the most part, because uh, she was at work. But when we started seeing each other in 2012, we were both drinking a lot, right? And so it, it worked fine, you know. Uh, it was it was part of what you did. It was cool, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we just both, and we, we would both say how we were fucked up and and you know wild, but it was but it was attractive, uh, <laughs> and, and it was okay. At first, you know, it was attractive. It, I mean, it worked. You know, it was it was yeah. part of why you know we were on the same wavelength, right? Sure, right. Which right. was yeah, we get fucked up, and maybe we shouldn't. But hey, what are you gonna do? You right, know, right, kind of right, felt right. stuck. I think realized it sometimes. Didn't want to think about it other times. Right. And uh, pretty quick, uh, it you know got worse. Where like you know we were both starting to feel bad about our drinking more and more instead of mm-hmm. ignoring it mostly. And even that is tough because you have to actually quit. You can't just, you know, right. sometimes you you get stuck where you're beating yourself up, but you don't quit. Right. You just beat, your, you know, right. you beat yourself up and then you drink and then to stop beating yourself up. Then the next morning when you wake up, right. you're beating yourself like, up. I got to get around my friends so. and, and feel better about myself. Yeah, you know, well, have them tell me that I'm not, yeah. so, that I'm not so bad. Yeah, and and it was tough because uh, we were this similar and different because I was still very social with my drinking, and Megan's became more isolating. Mm-hmm. She was staying home more, mm-hmm. drinking after work. Because she'd been on her feet all day, and then right. not wanting to go out because she just wants to pass, go to bed. Right. I was so when she finally was sick of it and quit. I was still having fun more often than not. Right. You know, like it wasn't just a nightmare, but it was a fucking tough balancing act because I was busier. It was becoming scarier that I could forget a show. Or, you know, uh, say I was going to do a show when I'm blacked out at a bar at an open mic and then not put it in my phone or something. Right, right. Or, yeah, you know, just uh, it was, had close calls. Well, and then you're also trying to manage the, the a relationship juggling. with someone else who's who's quit and is in the early she, stages of that. Well, yeah, so she so she quits. Uh, she's uh, three and a half years. She quit uh, in April. I quit end of September. So I had almost six months where mm-hmm. I— she quit. I was very happy for her. I wanted to quit, but I didn't know when or how right. exactly. It just sounded like okay, I can I can do that. And um, yeah, I I had that last summer of uh, trying to figure out what I was going to do or whatever. And uh, yeah, I had just that one that last day. I, I drank during the day watching a watching the Broncos and had a show that night and I almost missed it like I s- passed out for a few hours 
woke up right before the show, and Sam and I had to go to do Lucha Libre and Laughs at the Oriental, and I just, you know, barely pulled it off. That's you know? the worst, dude. It was a really close call to where I almost was too fucking hungover slash still drunk to do a good job. You I, wake I, up I, and I the sun's good, going down, <laughs> yeah, and you're yeah. like, you yeah. just you feel fucked up. I felt terrible i was very disoriented and felt like shit right. i was mad at myself and uh yeah and and still did the show i'm sure i did a good job but i knew it would have been better and so that was enough uh to be like okay now just do you know tomorrow right. tomorrow um be done and yeah it stuck i think uh, do you i know think you're funnier do you think you're funnier sober? I think I'm, I think overall, uh, yeah. Because with the drinking, maybe some nights at the Squire, you know, at the the open mic at the Squire, I could be blackout and, and Greg Baumhauer would put me up last and I would win the bar tab, you know, set of the night. Um, but other times it was completely forgettable, you know, uh, for me to be up there that drunk. Even memorable so, in the wrong way sometimes, yeah, it, I'm sure. Yeah, typically I think... Part of Typically, the it was I either good so or for, or forgettable. It would never got like memorable in the wrong way. I wasn't. Well, I was gonna say, yeah. One of one of the reasons I think I drank as long as I did was that it didn't always feel harmful. A lot of the times, I was lovey dovey, you know, affectionate, right? Silly, uh, sloppy, but still, you weren't getting DUIs and going to jail and, no, and breaking starting up fights. relationships and typically and, no. Yeah. So, for the yeah. most part. So that, that it's I, harder to quit when it's awesome. Uh, yeah. It's easy to quit when it's shit. Well, I, God, I, <laughs> I, I mean, just, in I just theory, know, you know, yeah, it was shit for me. So I had to quit. Well, know? yeah. So yeah, it was starting to be more shitty than it was getting for progressively me. shittier, but, yeah. but still some, some comics didn't, they were surprised that I would quit because they thought, no, no, it's well, they're great. immersed they're in fun. it. They're in the container. Uh, and, and one, yeah. And so they don't see the, they don't see the negative aspects of it. They don't, yeah. they aren't privy to the conversation that you're having in your own head. Right. Yeah. Or, and yeah, they're not there the next day the, in the morning, you know, when you're puking and, and, or you almost miss just, a gig. Yeah. Or you're just you're in bed person. all day. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just feel like we're, we're all, it's very random how much, different things affect you how much they get a hold of you oh, yeah. and so i had just a, a particular relationship with it that was you know alarming at times but right. not alarming enough i guess for me to right. for me to recognize it as a problem earlier and when even after i did you know it, it didn't make it so that i knew right. to quit right away it still was like all right well fuck maybe i can try to be better about it right and good on you for having the self awareness by the way to let it to let it go before it escalated to the point where like cuz it can get so much worse yeah yeah you know? I, 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 yeah i mean i've i've it's it, the most it, dangerous drug there is and i and i say that you know i say that it, it like not being catastrophic or dramatic like i really think right. that that statistically it's probably the worst like it's it's yeah. got to it's got i mean it's got to be at least as bad as like fentanyl you know right well if yeah not worse when you come yeah if you compare if you if you look at at if you factor in how how available alcohol is how many people right. drink it and how many people it affects negatively then yeah, you would you would have to say that it's up there right. because not as many people do heroin or fentanyl or oxy. So 
and and so even though they might be more devastating, more completely, you know, life ruining, drinking has, they don't affect uh, as many people. Yeah, the scale mm-hmm. would have to be s- smaller. Yeah, right. because so many people drink, and so many of those people affect countless other people with their drinking. Right. So yeah, I don't know. I, I yeah, I don't, I don't think you're wrong to say that it's. It's very dangerous, and and I think part of the danger is that some people don't have a problem with it, so that right. that feeling can can per- you start to go, what's wrong with me that yeah. that person doesn't have a problem with it, and I do? Yeah, you know, yeah. Instead it, of in, instead of taking into consideration that all chemical compounds affect people differently, right? You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. You it's know, people. There's some people can have a glass of wine and and just hang out, and some people it's like one sip of beer hits their lips, and it's like. Let's get fucking cocaine and tequila and punch each other in the yard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, man, um, I hate that we have to cut it there, but uh, we're out of time. I would really love to have you back on sometime. Yeah, um, please. I, dude, I've been wanting to sit and talk with you for a while. I've always had a, a tremendous amount of admiration and respect for you. And Thanks, I, re- I really love what you do. And um and I'm I'm glad you're still doing it, and you look good. You look healthy. You see, I mean, all I see is the pictures. You know, all I see is the pictures on the <laughs> the Facebook there. Uh-huh. But it it seems like you're really happy and and doing what you love, man. And I appreciate you coming on and talking with me, and always being a always being a super rad super rad dude. Yeah, well, I, same to you. I mean, that's why we've known each other this long. Yeah, for is, sure. Uh, it's, it was on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and we'll have to we'll have to get you and Sam both on here sometime. I would love that. I was supposed to have Sam on here, but he's he's a little t- hard to tie down these days. Sure, yeah, he's, he's, he's busy. a busy dude, man. Yeah, he's been. Uh, well, yeah, he he did he did comedy the punk rock way for sure, which was get out there, hit the road, go wherever, yep. and it'll pay off. But it's yeah, go and it's go hard. until you don't need to go anymore. Say yes to everything until yep. you can start saying no. Yeah, uh, forge relationships and be genuine with everybody because you don't know who. Is gonna help right. you, help you down the road. You meet the same people on uh, the way on the way yeah. down as you met on the way up. That's yeah, for sure. yeah. So yeah, he he did he did that, and and I have been able to to learn a lot from him and mm-hmm. to be a part of some of those tours and that that thinking. And yep. yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm glad that he has had that pay off because it doesn't always, you know. Yeah, but, well, and it gives. I mean, I just like seeing do good people do good, right? And um. When you see someone that you respect and that you care about and who is one of your contemporaries and you see them do well, it gives you hope for your own thing. Sure. Yeah. I lose I lose hope in my thing a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's hard not to. You know, I mean, it, it, especially when you care so much, mm-hmm. you know, and I really give a shit about what I do and I give a shit about it so much that I get mad and disappointed enough to stop giving a shit about it. Right. It's really yeah. fucking weird how that works. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and if 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 you if if you lose sight of what you have because you're looking at what you want, what you mm-hmm. don't have, um yeah, it can fuck you up. Yep. Sometimes it pays off, but I always think uh yeah, you you have to look at what you have cuz sometimes if you're not if you're not getting everything professionally, maybe it's because you've been enjoying your relationship with your family. And what would you or do if you, and or, what would you do if you got everything? Yeah, if you all got it at once, you know, it's like now what do I do? Sure, you yeah. know the yeah. the the climb, the struggle is. You know, I remember seeing on a blackboard in theater class when I was in high school. It's just like the struggle's half the art, man. 
Sure. Yeah. You know? It's like, get out there, fucking get your ass kicked, get beat up a little bit, mm-hmm. make some memories, eat shit, have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah, it's, it's the, it's the journey. If you do it right, then you have, then you, you, the peaks and valleys oh, yeah. end up uh, making you stronger and appreciative. Yeah. And yeah, you, you know, we have so many examples of people who you think have it all and should be completely, you know, self-realized right. and happy, but no, it's chaos no matter where you're at right. on the, uh, on the economic spectrum or whatever. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's more. It, they, they they get more love, but they also get more hate, and yeah. they yeah. get they get they get more opportunities, but they also drop a lot farther when they fail. Sure, and yeah. um, you know, yeah, man. Anyway, uh, dude, I really appreciate you coming on and talking with me, man. I would love, I would love, love, love to do this again. It's one of my few opportunities to sit down and, and talk with people that, uh, that I care about. And um, enjoy those edibles from Granny. Granny is a under-the-table sponsor. Awesome. Yeah, a, seriously. A little old lady from Georgia makes those, and they're <laughs> that's, awesome. That's great. I saw Granny yesterday. She gave me a great big hug and a great big bag of edibles. So thank you, Granny. Thank you, Joey. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, thanks all for listening to the motherfucking podcast, episode number eighty-two. Where can people find you? Like, what what can people check out of yours? By the way, uh, I'm on Twitter uh, at Nathan Lund. Instagram is at Nathan Lund Comedy. I'm on Facebook. I've got some stand up on YouTube. Uh, I am in a web series called Spaghetti High. That's on YouTube. Cool. Uh, that is. Uh, just like six episodes. It's a short run of like a season's worth of and you got uh, your podcast, Spaghetti right? High. I got to get the podcast back up. You can check out the ep- the 26 episodes that I made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're they're, uh, they're online at uh, well, they were on sexpotcomedy.com. I don't know if that's still accessible as a as a website cuz that kind of is has, it a thing anymore? No, they kind of well, the 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 new creation of stuff is has ceased uh, but i think they might you might still have uh access the archives, to the archives of uh, they had a bunch of podcasts yeah cool. and articles uh that were uh cool. written for the website that i think i think it's still up but um the 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 episodes are also on itunes and uh they were on uh podbean Oh, cool. Okay. Hosted on Podbean. So, yeah, they should uh, still be And it's called One on Lund? One on Lund, yeah. Cool. I'll check it out, man. Well, uh, thank you all for listening to the motherfucking podcast. Thanks to my guest, Nathan Lund. Shout out to Gordo. I hope you're feeling better. And we normally close out um, the episode every week with a one for the homie shout out. And Gordo will go find something. Uh, Usually it's a band, but I figure you can give a shout out to uh, a comedian that's got some stuff out there that that you think they're really funny and they deserve a little love and we'll we'll find a clip of it and we'll put it on the end of the episode can you can you think of a comic who's got some stuff out right now that that uh, that you think deserves a little love while people are deciding what podcast to listen to next well I always try to get uh, Zach Reinert's name out there because he is very funny um, but I think like me and like a lot of comics, we're not as good at the self-promotion and the, right. you know, constantly getting. So, I, yeah, I try to shout him out because he, he, I mean, he's always putting funny stuff on Twitter and Facebook, funny uh, thoughts, one-liners. He's great at that. But, uh, yeah, he's just kind of a straightforward, funny And he's got comic. some stuff on, on YouTube we could find? I think uh, I think he's on YouTube. He's got uh, he's he gets played on uh, 103.1, so you could uh, okay. 
request them on there, I believe. Um, and uh, Ben Bryant is another local guy that's great and does uh, – he did Spaghetti High, and he has a lot of funny videos on YouTube. Uh, Zach and Preston Tompkins have videos on YouTube under the name Stepdads. Okay, cool. And they, they're short videos, kind of what you want, you know, which is funny, quick, and then you're, you know, you're either watching 10 of them or you can watch one here and there and, right, right. and go about your, your business. But um, cool. Yeah, well, bo- uh, both of them are trying to do funny, funny videos when they're not uh, performing. Cool. Well, we'll find we'll find some audio and we'll drop it on the end of the episode. Uh, until next week, thanks so much for listening, guys. We appreciate the shit out of you. I'm Aaron Howell, and we'll uh, we'll catch you next week, guys. Bye. Please welcome to the stage Zach Reinert, everybody. Hey, what's up, everybody? I. Uh, I was in the Marine Corps for four years, and uh, I had a tattoo in my arm that I like having. So I always get a lot of dumb questions. Like, then I was at this bar, and this guy was like, oh, when were you in the Marines? And I was like, from 2005, 2009. He's like, you ever kill anybody? I was like, yeah, in 2010, but I don't like to talk about it. Uh, I was on a long road trip with my roommate one time, and he's like, what do you think the worst thing you saw while you are in the Marines was? And I was like, probably The Happening by M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, it's a fucking terrible movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it sucks whenever you watch movies as a kid, uh, you love those movies, and then you watch those same movies as an adult, and they don't hold up anymore. Uh, especially if they're home movies. It's like, why was dad played by another guy for a year? You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> when I was a kid, when I was a kid, my mom used to always put notes in my lunchbox, uh, which was really sweet. Uh, I mean, food would have been cool. Uh, One time my mom asked me, if all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you? And I was like, no. And she's like, fuck, I'll think of something. <laughs> One of the things that I hate hearing is when you watch a lot of comedy, the same premises come up a lot. And one that I hate hearing is a male comic will get up here and he'll talk about how he can't get it in the hole. <laughs> he has trouble getting it in that hole of course, referring to sex. And I don't know if you guys have ever had sex, but generally, if you're having trouble putting it in the hole, the girl will help you out. (laughs) I don't know why these other male comics are hooking up with like shitty bully women, you know? And like, they're just trying to put it in and she's just like, (laughs) what? What are you doing, buddy? She just shoves him into a locker she keeps in her bedroom. I knew you were weak when I picked you out at the bar. The motherfucking podcast is recorded at the Nug Nation Studios in Denver, Colorado, and hosted by Aaron Howell, Tony Lee, Logan O'Connor, and occasionally even Ty Blosser of the international power rock combo, Motherfucking Ruckus. Our producer in the studio is Gordon Ledfoot. Our producers in Chicago are Gene Skibbins and Adam Zielinski. 
All music except Homie shoutouts and featured artists is written and performed by MF Ruckus and comes from the album The Front Lines of Good Times Volume 1, coming this fall on Rodeo Star Records. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, if you find this podcast valuable or entertaining and you wish to support MF Ruckus further, you can rate, review, share, subscribe, follow us on any of our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Spotify. If you really want to help us do what we do, you can go to patreon.com slash mfruckus and become a patron at any level. Our patrons get access to exclusive content, early releases, guest list spots, even VIP parties with beer and food, all in exchange for a small monthly contribution. It really does make a difference and allows us to do this podcast, make records, create videos, go on tour, fly Tony back and forth, and all the other stuff we love to do for you guys. Patreon.com slash MFRuckus. Check it out. Thanks again, guys. You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at MutinyInfoCafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. 